0: Welcome everybody to Iowa Postgame with Coach Don Patterson on a late Saturday evening and for some uh, in the Eastern Time Zone like us here in Indianapolis. Early Sunday, almost uh, 12.30 a.m. Eastern Time, and we are recapping a result Hawkeye fans were dreading. We'll talk about it in just a little bit. Appreciate everybody being here. Uh, I would say, uh, judging by the crowd, uh, Hawkeye fans have not lost their Hawkeye zeal. I uh, appreciate all 500 or so who are on here already and hope you'll continue to uh, tell others about the show. And uh, it's a great way to uh, grieve. It's a great way to grieve this evening. We're going to spend some time doing just that. Before we do that, and before we get to Coach John Patterson, who will be joining us, we've got Coach, or excuse me, well, he could probably be a coach too, uh, Tom Cakert of HawkeyeReport.com, who will be joining us uh, in just seconds want to give a special shout-out to RTI Threads. They are a part of our Big Ten Championship coverage. We appreciate Marty and the guys over at RTI Threads. Boy, they've been a part of uh, some of these young athletes' um, young careers and building their NIL brands like Cooper DeGene, who has uh, was sorely missed today uh, on a number of notes. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. But you can support his apparel line. Maybe uh, there's a chance he comes back if he gets enough NIL support cd3lacesup.com cd3lacesup.com also aaron graves carson shire aiden hall zach lutmer they all have merch lines and they're all with rti threads this is a great growing company dealing with a lot of uh, small town iowa kids who are future stars and guys like cooper of course nfl stars in the making rti threads.com and cd3lacesup.com check out the links in our description and um Again, as I always say, the more you support our sponsors, the more you support ongoing coverage here of Hawkeye Athletics. We've got a number of people who are waiting to join, and I know uh, we're going to be on a bit of a time crunch. Here's the deal. All right. I've said this before, and I maybe don't always stick to this, but we are going to be very precise with our phone calls this evening. So this is not personal, but I'm going to have to cut people off. We have too many people that are gonna be wanting to talk. I get it. And I wanna talk to everybody. We simply don't have the time and um, we've got too much to get to. So we're gonna keep our calls to about two minutes or less. And if I cut you off, it's nothing personal. So please uh, call in. The number is 515-635-1601. We had one person just drop off the phone lines. So we've got a line open. And then of course, we've got a bunch of lines open via StreamYard. Uh, the link for that is in our description. Easy to call in via StreamYard. We've got, I think, one spot open, maybe, uh, right now. But uh, before we get to our callers, um, let's go to, uh, let's see, we've got Tom Kiker waiting, I believe. Let's put our caller on hold. Okay, our phone line is officially tied up, folks. So we're going to have to just be patient here um, as we uh, navigate to Tom Kakert in just a second. Let's see if I can. Get this done. I mean, usually this slow getting things launched here. All right, here we go. There is. Here, hey Tom,
1: how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Just, uh just got back up here. So, um in fact, I beat you to the stream. I was, How's I was that? excited. <laughs> how about that? That's because awesome. I, I didn't go to Kirk. They had Kirk simultaneously with other players, and they're going to video. Uh, they're going to um, send us a transcript of Kirk. So I didn't, I, and I think he was pretty short tonight. So he he's still mad about um about uh, review he's not a fan of the uh review process and obviously his son was not pleased with the review process either tonight as we saw on the sidelines so um this kind of went like i think a lot of us thought it could potentially go and it was you you make mistakes you have a bad special teams play and you were mentioning Cooper that doesn't happen if Cooper's out there just doesn't. No, I don't think so. Um, I, I don't think um, I would have been surprised if, if that would have happened and that's no disrespect to point Intringer or John Nestor. They're doing their, their level best. It was just kid made a play. And then the turnovers, the, the fumble by jazz Patterson, the um, two fumbles uh, by Deacon Hill. Just costly. Just you know, they couldn't coming in. We knew they couldn't make mistakes, and they did. Yeah. Simple as that. Right. Yeah. Can we talk a
0: little bit before we get to the game, Tom? Can we talk a little bit about what happened with Brian? Because um, I yeah. have seen the I've seen the the, the replay of of Brian's blow up, meltdown, whatever you want to call it. I've not actually seen, I mean, I didn't catch a great replay from the press box. Maybe you have. Um, I understand the logistics of why you would be upset with a play ball. dead. I understand the rule that if it's a clear recovery, they can technically go back and review that. And I saw the quote from Kirk just briefly before jumping on here that he was told Deacon's arm was moving forward, but his hand was not. I understand how that can be confusing as well. Regardless, just your thoughts on that moment and how how important was that moment to the outcome of the game? Because it just seemed like that was Iowa's last breath.
1: Yeah, it was. It just seemed like they kind of, you know, that was it. That was kind of like, okay, they're they're hooked here. Um, you know, when they go up 17-zip, it's, it's over. I mean, there's just no chance for Iowa to come back if you – you look at it from a ten nothing perspective, where you think, "Boy, you know, if you just make a big play, something happens—stupid score, pick six, whatever it might be—you you get one of those plays, then uh, it's 10-7 and you're you're in this, you know. But instead, it's you know, uh, you know, they recovered at the twelve, go half the distance on the penalty against Brian and Forum goes in on six yard run first play and that was it ball game 17 nothing there's no no reasonable fan would believe that Iowa was coming back at that point
0: minus three in turnovers you give yep. up the 87 yards special teams uh, return and of course Cohen and You mentioned him. What a what an effort play! I was impressed with seeing the replay of him. Mm-hmm. He missed the tackle down there inside the ten. Comes all the way back. Makes no the yeah. He's going to be really good. I think John Nestor's got a bright future as well. But you're right; those guys are. John Nestor's a true freshman. Cohen and not really played much at all. He's an underclassman, so um, you know, bright future. Here, here's
1: here's here's what I would I would say. If I look at Michigan stats, they ran for 1.9 yards per rush. Forum was what you know 52 yards um uh, mccarthy 147 yards passing no tds if you would have told me those two things um coming into the game i would have told you this was a one score game you know just based on those numbers if they 66 yards rushing 100 and they only had what uh 213 yards of total offense. It's not like 12 first downs to seven for Iowa. It's not like this Michigan offense dominated Iowa. They did not. They used short fields to get a couple touchdowns. And that's how they, they've, you know, kicked some field goals in one game. One could
0: easily argue, Tom, that these teams were equally as bad on offense minus the turnovers. Yes. And I think the turnovers are.
1: Big yeah, part. Of the I game, think that's fair. Right? Right yeah, yeah. And they
0: were. Frankly, J.J. McCarthy threw one that absolutely should have been picked by Nick Jackson. Uh, and
1: just dropped one. one. Yep, just dropped dropped it. it.
2: I
0: guess. Completely um, dropped it. And and that's the difference too between executing. You know, and, and those are the plays. I understand he's a linebacker. You got to make that play uh, in that situation. Uh, Tom, I'm just curious your your general take on on the play calling today. Um, I don't know that. I don't know how to dissect this and I want to kind of wait till Don Patterson gets here, but I I just expected, obviously I expected to see something more innovative and I just don't know what we just saw. Like what was, was there anything different in what you saw today from a game plan situation or did they just never get a chance to show what they may have had planned or in their back pocket because of the gaps
1: early? Yeah, I talked to Deacon a little bit about it and in and, and the post game, we, we got to talk to him and, and it didn't seem like they threw, they, they threw some stuff at him that maybe they didn't think they were, um, gonna throw at him, you know, just confused him. I thought, um, the tackles didn't do a great job of protection. Um, I, I thought, um, you know, Deacon, Deacon had some pressure coming at him at times and maybe he held on the ball too long. I would've liked to have seen some shots down the field, but I think Michigan just kind of takes that away with their back end and just make it hard to um hard hard to get it downfield on them. But um yeah, I just they could never get the run game going and that's what Iowa has to do to be able to get things moving is they've got to they got to get the run game going and they just could never get uh, any momentum there.
0: Yeah, LaShawn Williams, nine carries, 25 yards, six carries for Caleb Johnson for 14 yards, and Caleb Brown had a couple of uh, runs out of the backfield uh, for 10 yards. Jazz Patterson, you mentioned one carry and also had a fumble. I believe that was, yep. on, a, was on a catch.
1: That was on a pass. That was on a pass, yep.
0: And yep. Deacon Hill for the day was 18 of 32, 120 yards, 3.8 Yard average for uh, for Deacon Hill, and um, you know I I don't you know I certainly don't think it's time to necessarily talk macro because although the transfer portal window officially opens on Saturday and we're going to have the bowl game to talk about, um, it's going to be a while till we see or hear substantial offensive coordinator news. I would think, but that's what I can see it in the chat. A lot of people are already, and this is going to be expected, buzzing about that that uh, possibility and, and who that potential candidate w- or candidates will be. Uh, you see some jobs across the country being filled, Tom.
3: Do
0: you have any any thoughts now with the final Big Ten game under Brian's belt?
1: Uh, not really. I don't think Kirk has given it much. Um, I shouldn't say he hasn't given it much thought. I don't think he's going to do anything until after the bowl game. That's, if anybody is expecting him to hire an offensive coordinator, uh, before the bowl game, I don't, I, it would be out of character for her. I would be surprised. He hasn't said that, but he's sort of, I, but I do think this next week is going to be because we see it everywhere else where the teams that, that weren't playing on championship weekend, um, guys are hitting the portal. So that's the next wave of things that's going to happen, in my opinion, is we're going to see some guys deciding their their future and it would be it would be naive of me to say i don't think anybody's leaving because i'm sure people are going to leave it's dark that's the nature of the sport that's the nature of transfer pool and i haven't said so but i think it's going to be interesting to see what to get any decisions from jay higgins Sebastian Castro, who I asked about that tonight, uh asked him after the game, you giving a thought. What was your process going to be like? And he's it didn't seem to be in any rush to make a decision. But he's gonna talk about things. And I'm sure every one of those guys not only has Iowa coming at him, they've got the NFL to think about, but also I'm sure there's some back channel stuff going on. Um the uh, people close to him um with other schools kind of saying hey if uh you're interested might have a big nil deal for you and uh here you go and the the challenging thing for iowa is going to be how many of those guys actually do have those things and how many of those guys have i don't know are they bluffs are they saying they have something, but you can't verify it. So they could literally say whatever they want. And if you call them on it and risk losing some of those players, I don't know. It's it's going to be an interesting couple weeks is what I'll say.
0: My two cents on that, Tom. Um, one more, one here. Yeah. I was in a position offensively with people. I mean, I think right. the obvious candidates are your running backs, right. a guy like yep. Caleb Brown, That's right. That's right. a guy like uh, – Yeah. So you you are kind of put over a barrel where they can kind of play you because you can't sell anything on the field right now offensively. The the only thing you can sell is, hey, we're going to be making some changes with our offensive coordinator. But like, you know, if, if guys are able to leverage you as a result of the bad play on the field then.
2: Any That's the result
0: of the bad play in the field, right? If you had a better yeah. option, they wouldn't be able to leverage you.
2: So, yep.
1: yep. So, they're going to, it's going to be a fascinating uh, few weeks. um Somebody brought up something to me that I think is kind of an interesting discussion point. um You know, the pool game is just, it's kind of an exhibition. You like to win them, right? You, you like to have success in that. Um, do you, if you're Iowa, do you kind of try and ramp up Marco Linnez and see if he can give you a, your offense a spark in the bowl game? Uh I think maybe that's something I, I don't know that Kirk will do that, but I think it's an interesting topic.
0: Oh, I think it's a wonderful idea. I just don't see any way Kirk does that. Yeah, frankly, no frankly, Tom. uh you know, you could make the argument you're down 26-0. Maybe you put Marco in at the end of this game. Now, that's a bit bad position to put him in. But the fact that Marco Linez can play four games and didn't get a single snap during the year in which Deacon was largely, you know, pretty bad from start to finish, with the exception being a couple of games, I, I just cannot imagine Kirk doing that. And I don't think he looks at, the bowl game as an exhibition. I think what you're absolutely what you said is absolutely true. I think he looks at it as an opportunity to get to eleven wins and to yeah. use. I,
1: it, and, I, and I would say too, if they were nine win team going for ten wins, I would say, yeah, then you play to win and you you do that. But at this point, it's kind of an exhibition. You know, you find out what you got from some guys. Well, you might have you might not have any choice really. Yeah. Um, I'm not a quarterback specifically, but just you know, some other positions, maybe guy. I don't know if the guys will opt out. I think we might see Luke Lachey in the bowl game. Um, I think that's a possibility, uh, which would be great, but I don't know. I'd just maybe think about dropping dropping him out there.
0: Just curious, you know, what, see not saying you're wrong, you've obviously had conversations with Luke, but what reason does he have to play in the bowl game right now?
1: Oh, I think he just wants to play in a game. Okay. Um, and he's got a decision to make too. Sure. About the NFL. Yeah. Um, so maybe he wants to show the NFL some things. Maybe he just wants to play. You know, if Cooper were healthy enough, got healthy enough in the next couple of weeks, there's a hundred percent chance that Cooper DeGene would be out there. Um, same with any of those guys, I think. So, um, yeah, well, but we'll see. He's still got to get. Fully healthy, fully cleared. And that hasn't happened yet. But once he gets out in the practice field, maybe you find out if he really wants to go. But uh, I, he you just showed the NFL that, that he's healthy. But he's you know, he's got a decision to make. Uh Eric hall has got a decision to make. Uh Castro, uh you know, uh Jay Higgins. I mean they've all got choices that they've got to make here in the next uh Next few weeks. Now last year when those guys announced things, it was right around the, the bowl game when they finally you know Joe Evans and right. um, guys like that announced Noah Shannon. Uh that was a few days before the bowl game. So maybe we won't hear anything until then, but I think the the um I think everything is sped up at this point. So uh, mainly because I think they've got other; they'll probably have other suitors that need decisions from those guys, um, because they've got to operate in that that time frame as well.
0: I will say this: one more comment on the quarterback situation. That if you got anything else that you learned post game, uh, feel free to share it. But as it relates to the quarterback position, um, Deacon, unofficially, I think uh, I, I looked at this to verify the numbers. I believe he's got seven fumbles and. Uh, how many? How many
1: starts? How many games? So the ball, ball security is not one of it's his strong suits.
0: Not very good. And Kirk has always placed such a high emphasis on protecting the football in every aspect uh-huh. of the game. Uh-huh. So I, I just, it's it's such a valid question, and I'm not saying it would have been the right time to ask it tonight. But I've had, had a lot of people last week, Tom, and I'm sure they asked you the same question. Why is it that when Drew Stevens misses a couple kicks? They oh. go to a guy who's never set foot on the field, and yet with the quarterback position, Deacon can fumble, throw picks, throw terrible passes, make terrible decisions, and yet we never see anyone else. And this I is the way the, those the, the they evaluate the quarterback the, position. Totally different.
1: Yeah, and I think it's that they just don't have the faith and trust in those guys, and they had faith and trust in Marshall Meter. So that's. Well, that's the only explanation I can give you.
0: And it's not just kicker, as you know. I mean, it's every. It seems almost every position DB. Mm-hmm. We've seen Phil Parker switch out DBs from play to play. I think back to 20, 2018 mm-hmm. against Purdue, he did that. And you know, it's it's just mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a quandary. It's a, it's a question worth asking. But I know it's been asked, and sure, we get the same response. Uh, Tom, anything anything in particular that we missed? I mean,
1: no, nothing really. I don't have anything. Okay, nothing really. I'll let I'll let you keep uh, keep keep Coach Patterson up till two thirty in the morning.
0: No, it'll probably be later than that, Tom. But uh, you get back to your <laughs> hotel safely and travel back to the yes. Quad City safely, okay. and uh, hope to talk Thanks, to buddy. you. It we was good
1: to see you today. It was good yeah, to see absolutely. you today.
0: Good to be there. Good experience nonetheless, despite Definitely. the despite the loss. So, Tom, travel yeah. safely. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay.
1: Okay. Thank, Thank you, Corey.
0: All right, appreciate Tom Kaker HawkeyeReport.com on three. Certainly check out his work. You can follow him on Twitter at Hawkeye Report. Speaking of Twitter, if you are not following me on Twitter or on Instagram or on Facebook, you can do so at from the Hawkeye on Twitter, Instagram, and then on Facebook from the Hawkeye of the Storm. If you're on social media, even if you're not active on social media, drop a follow, drop a like, whatever the case may be. Um, it does help as far as growth. All of this helps. And it, when you don't know, like the video here on YouTube or you subscribe or you turn notifications on or even just telling your buddies about the show, it all of it helps. So don't uh, underestimate it. And it is much appreciated uh, if you can do that. Uh, I believe we've got Coach Patterson on the phone line. And we're going to try to get Coach Patterson, I believe, via video once he gets to a safe place. Uh, Coach Patterson, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Coach, uh, I hope to see you on camera here soon. I'm assuming you're traveling back to your uh, your home base.
4: Yeah, we're on 65 North right now.
0: Well, thank you for jumping on here for a couple minutes. I won't keep you on the phone line um, too long, but I do. I, I want to. We just had Tom Cakert on, and I wanted to kind of follow up on a couple of things that I know are pressing and people in the chat are, are griping about and rightfully so. It just seems like this game this evening was the exact nightmare that a lot of Iowa fans feared it might be. It played out almost exactly how people thought it would be, where the defense does everything it can to potentially keep you in a ball game. But due to offensive ineptitude and a special teams unit that's missing a superstar in Cooper DeGene, there's just no way the defense can be good enough or elite enough. And the score reflects domination from Michigan. Uh, How do you react to what you just saw?
4: Yeah, I was going to start off, Corey, by by stating this. This is really how I felt. I don't know that I've ever been more proud of a defense than I was tonight. I don't know that we could play much better than what we played. Yeah, I agree. The one thing we did not accomplish, of course, we didn't generate any turnovers. Uh, But let me be sure that people understand this, too. Uh, one thing we could have done is made a more concerted effort to strip the ball, you know, to get the ball out. The only problem when you do that, especially the way the game is playing out tonight, I don't know that we would have made all those open field tackles that we made if we were more more zeroed in on trying to trying to get the ball out. You follow me? Absolutely. I thought our open I thought field tackling was absolutely outstanding. Uh, and we're not just tackling any regular Joe. You know, we're talking about number two and number seven. Those guys are not your average backs. Uh, they had to have a frustrating night. I'm sure that number nine was frustrated with the way the game went because we caused him a lot of problems, too. And uh, I just was very proud of them for their effort and for their efficiency with how they tackled. Uh, Michigan earned every yard they got. They ended up. They finally went over 200 yards with about six minutes left in the game. I think they finished with 215. Does that sound right? Or maybe that's before the last knee. But the bottom line, no one held Michigan anywhere close to 215. It was a great effort on the part of our defense.
0: Don, I'm just curious, uh, when you look at the stats, 200. you've mentioned the, the yardage for Michigan, the, uh, the unofficial number, and I don't quite have the official stats in front of me yet, but 213 is the number I'm seeing. Unofficial stats, 213 for Michigan, 155 for Iowa. Um, you know, Neither team rushed for more than 70 yards. Iowa just 35. Uh, Iowa did have too many penalties, seven penalties, just for 46 yards, so they weren't real costly penalties, but seven penalties are still seven penalties. Time of possession was... Yeah. Certainly in Michigan's favor, but not as bad as you would expect in a 26 zero blowout. First downs was certainly in Michigan's favor, but again, you know, twelve to seven, pretty mild there as far as differential. The big differential is three turnovers, Don. And yeah. I asked the question to Tom here a few minutes ago. And I know you know, I'm kind of putting Tom on the spot. He doesn't have an answer either, but I just don't understand. And it's not all on Deacon Hill. I get it. You know, Jazz Patterson had a costly fumble, but man. Um, we've seen a uh, Deacon Hill's propensity to fumble the football and for his internal clock to run a little bit long and he is so hmm. turnover prone back in the pocket, Don. Why can't this A be either be corrected or B there be an adjustment made as it relates to personnel? I'm talking about potentially running someone else out there. Are we is, is iowa that thin at that position where Deacon is the only viable option?
4: Well, we know we know the coaches have other options. We know that,
0: uh, but do, do we do, do do we know that, Don? Because we we haven't seen a change at quarterback due to performance in the last decade. I haven't seen you know there was there was uh, some controversy in twenty fourteen, heading into twenty fifteen, really twenty fourteen with Bethard and Rudock. But I mean, we haven't really seen a quarterback change due to performance since what two thousand eight with Ricky Stanzi why is that position evaluated differently than any other position on the football field?
4: You're asking the wrong guy. I don't have a good answer for you.
0: Okay. Well, um, Deacon wasn't the only issue. There's no question. And and, and the loss of uh, the loss of, Cooper to Gene did not help. You give up an 87-yard uh, punt return. Great effort, by the way, by Cohen Entringer, who actually missed on the initial tackle. He runs the guy down at the five. It was for naught, but a great effort play by him. And, um, you know, Torrey Taylor had a couple of great punts, had a couple of punts that could have been better. I think maybe one got deflected. Uh, Iowa had an opportunity, Don, where they got the ball, I believe, inside the Michigan 40 there in the second quarter they follow it up with uh, second and two, an incomplete pass. I actually tried to throw the ball on a potential waist down, Don. It ends ends up going incomplete. What do they do on third and two? They fumble the ball away.
4: Yeah. Matter of fact, I mentioned on on the previous play, I said to Lisa, I said, well, here we are with the waist down, and and we just used it. Now, you know, we, and we had some intention of trying to throw the ball down the field. I don't recall the exact routes, but it was a play-action, and we had people running down the field. Uh, I, I don't remember that we threw it down the field. I don't believe we did. I, I can't honestly recall what happened other than it went ahead the played. We do know that because we had third and two as well.
0: It wasn't thrown down the field. Uh, it was no, not it, thrown it down the field. It, down. it was a play-action pass, and, it, and yeah, it was not thrown down the field. I can tell you that.
4: Yeah. So I think at least we can say on that play at least we made an effort to get the ball down the field on second and two. I guess that's a positive. We used a way out But we typically do not, as you know. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, anyway, Lisa said, well, you know, we turned the ball over on third and two. And I said, that had nothing to do with what happened on second down.
2: Correct.
4: You know, it, it was just unfortunate. Uh, Jazz didn't, I don't remember the exact circumstance, but. He was in close quarters. In the ball, the ball came out. The ball came out. Yeah, I think it was a helmet on the ball. Correct. Uh, the ball came out just very shortly before he was down. Um, but that's just the way our night our night went. You know, we and there were other times when it appeared maybe that we had generated turnover, and then you heard well, our progress was stopped. There's no way I could tell when the whistle blew. Uh, oftentimes they let them keep playing. Of course, even though you might argue that the progress really has been stopped. Well, in that case, we got the ball out with what appeared to be in time to generate a fumble. And yet, on that play, they said, you know, the one I'm talking about, late stages of the game, I believe it was in the fourth quarter, and they said, oh no, no, that's not a fumble. That, you know, that play was born dead. So we were just always on the wrong side of the call. It seemed like. Uh, I was curious, um, the other deflected ball, I thought at the time, in real time, I thought it was an incomplete pass. You know, the one that got batted around and not intercepted. And Michigan wisely fell on the ball, even though they couldn't catch it in midair. and They fell on it when it was back on the ground. And the call went their way. And it looked to me like a very close call either way with what we could see. I was just curious what the you know what the tv people said about it
0: yeah um i I don't know i know that um
4: i know kirk was very upset of course uh as as was brian of course
0: yeah uh brian lost his mind uh, on the one you're talking about um that was the one um in that third quarter and i i understand getting upset um Maybe I shouldn't be critical of Brian. I just, you're sitting there watching him have a complete meltdown in the third quarter after a call that was probably a bad call, but it just goes to show you you should never, like one call should not be that devastating for you. But when you cannot do anything, when you cannot score, I mean, when you're stuck on zero the whole game because you can't move the ball and you, lose the turnover battle three, nothing. I, I just, you know, it just, uh, I, I don't feel as much sympathy as maybe some people did for the guy. I saw some people on social media, oh, go get him, Brian. And that was a terrible call, well, yeah, maybe it's not a good call, but aren't we tired of these bad calls determining, you know, in a close game? I mean, like we go back to the Minnesota game, that call should have never as bad as it was. And, and I believe I would deserve to win that game. The offense is so bad; it should have never been. Minnesota should never even have been in that game. And
4: well, you know, know they say when you're taking on a defense as good as Michigan, we need to be. I said this during the week. We need to be aggressive with our play calling, and the only caveat to that is, but we need to be calculated with what we're doing too. And sadly, we didn't really see. We didn't really see a lot of novel ideas. Unfolded, unfolded in the course of the game, you know, you didn't see something where you had where you had just had to say to yourself, "Oh my gosh, I've never seen that before." That was an, an interesting way to run a play. You didn't see any of that, did you? Hey, c-
0: can you just explain that to me, Don? Explain how you come out here. It's your last game, and I'm going to rip on Brian Ferentz for a second because I've had it. It's your last game as the OC, last real game against a Big Ten opponent. You're in the Big Ten championship game on Fox with a chance to shock the world. And I didn't, I didn't, tell me I'm wrong. I didn't see anything, any wrinkle at all. What was the wrinkle?
4: Do we ever have a play that can be accused of being an exotic tonight?
0: Like, it's incredible to me. I I just, I am literally, it's amazing that I'm still amazed. That's what's amazing. It's amazing that I'm still surprised. (laughs) But I've got well, to I'm like, if, if he's gonna do it anytime, if they're gonna figure out a way to be innovative anytime or consult with someone, maybe do it tonight. Don, I think you are comfortable with me asking you this question. Can you can you tell me were you consulted at all this week for any wrinkles in the offense? No.
4: Okay. No, and I, I don't think I don't think anyone in the football office expects me to. Uh, even want to contribute because I think they know, you know, I feel like my job is strictly to inform them as it relates to analytics. You know, I don't pretend to know their offense. Sure. I don't have to make make sound ideas, uh, sound recommendations. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I, You know, there are discussions about what our strategy should be, and I think certainly um, I think Kirk had an excellent thought for the game, and he verbalized some of that during the week. He openly talked about the fact we need to we need to be sure it's a one-score game at the end of one quarter, and then at the end of the half, and then if we can carry that into the fourth quarter, if we can be a one-score game after three quarters, then it can get really interesting. And when it was 10 nothing, I thought that one of the key possessions, of course, was before the half, we finally had good field position. We were on the plus 38, I think, to start the drive. And I told Lisa, I said, all we really need to do, we do, do need to do this. We need to at least get three here before the half. And to be honest with you, seven would be a bonus. But even three makes it a one-score game again. If we could be down 10-3 at the half, I would consider us to have momentum for the second half, especially because we're the ones with the last scoring. Uh, and it looked like we were in great position to do that on third and two. It was unfortunate, but I give Michigan credit for having something to do with the fact that the ball got turned over. It was a helmet on the ball, you know, as I could tell. And uh, that was the end of our our opportunity before that. And, and, of course, third quarter started with them having the ball. And, and uh, even though we did a great job of keeping them out of the end zone, and they did some sustain some drives. You know, they had they put together drives with a couple of three first downs here and there. Uh, he was able to put them in field goal range several times. Um, but the amazing thing here to me, here's an amazing stat for the game, despite the fact that they beat us, what 11 or 12 minutes on time of possession. I think. Uh, what was amazing to me, I believe we might have finished. Better than Michigan on critical critical downs. We weren't good on critical downs, but neither were they. Our defense did a great job of getting off the field. If we could get them to third down, uh, Michigan and, and was, was a Utah,
0: Michigan was a disaster on critical downs. They were four of sixteen on critical downs.
4: Yeah, but let's give us some credit for that. You know, it wasn't all that Michigan was a disaster. We created a lot of problems for them. How many times we sack him? Three or four times, I guess. At least three, I'm sure. Maybe four. Uh, You know, J.J. was... That had to be the toughest game for J.J. all season because we caused him a lot of problems. I think you'll agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this. I thought Michigan did a solid job of of taking advantage uh, primarily of number eight. Deshaun, they, they, I think they decided Deshaun was the, the better corner to go against, uh, to Deshaun's credit. Never gave up a big play, but there were a lot of underneath cuts that were thrown and caught. Um, and the one that really bothered me the most, I took this as a real insult to our defense. Think back to fourth and seven. They They—they fall started on fourth and two, right? And what does Harbaugh do? He decides we're going on fourth and seven. That made no sense. That was a bonehead decision, to be honest with you. And yet, Michigan fans would say, well, it wasn't a bonehead decision because we converted. Give me a break. You, you want to try to convert on fourth and seven when you're already in field goal range? That doesn't make any sense. But that's what they did to us in the early stages of the game. They went for them fourth and seven and converted.
0: C- and kudos to them, them Don. What's that? Kudos to them. They, they've... You know, it's like, uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of a an, uh, an illustration for that, but that's like playing Russian roulette. But you know what? Uh, um, it worked out for them, uh, and I wouldn't make them pay.
4: I, I would say this if their goal was to be aggressive with their play calling and also calculated, I wouldn't say that was a calculated decision. Uh, I mean, it worked, but to be honest with you, Harbaugh looks like a a crazy man, if he doesn't convert, because they were in total range and they got a reliable kicker. That kicker was second team all in conference. Drew Stevens, as much as we think of Drew, was third team all conference, probably based on the fact that he had one bad game against Nebraska. Like the voting, I believe the voting happened after last Saturday. I don't know that for a fact, but I suspect they waited until after the regular season was done. Makes sense that they would wait. Uh, But they have a good character. That's the point.
0: Uh, Don, uh, a couple things here. First of all, you just calling Jim Harbaugh potentially a crazy man is not going to make Michigan fans any more endeared Uh, to you.
4: Well, you know what I'm saying. Uh, I'm sure a lot of Michigan fans at that point were saying, what are we doing? Fourth and seven were in field goal range, and the score at the time, I believe, was 3-0. Is that right, I believe? Maybe they ended up taking a field goal on that possession. Was that? Maybe it was zero zero at the time. I can't recall.
0: Yeah, they, they ended up kicking <laughs> a field goal in that possession. In fact, they okay. had fourth and one that possession. Ended up kicking a field goal in fourth and one.
4: All the more reason that the more logical play was to get on the scoreboard with a field goal rather than you go for it on fourth and seven. Sure. But oh. um, anyway, it worked out for them. But that was a bold decision, but I can't call it a, an intelligent decision. It worked, but. Uh, maybe the only way I could, could argue, the only way a Michigan fan could argue that it was intelligent is they knew with great confidence, we're going to have a soft corner on the side of Deshaun Lee and we're going to throw the ball underneath it for, for a gain of 11. I think it was, or at least nine, I can't recall. It was more than enough for the first down. They didn't have to measure.
0: So I want to mention this, Don, and, uh, I'm just curious how, how long do you have until you get back to your your home base?
4: I think we're only five or ten minutes away, but I'll be happy to continue afterward. I know we have a lot of fans that are anxious to talk about the game, and, and I'll be happy to continue on the phone at least, not not necessarily to get on a computer. We don't have a computer with us. Okay. We're not well, we're not a piece of now, so we're going there. It might take ten minutes, not five.
0: Well, we'll we'll keep you on here if you're you're good for that. And um, we'll try to get through some callers as well. Wandering Shep wants to know, um, he says, uh, Thanks, Corey and Don. You're su- supporter of Tori Taylor from Melbourne, Australia. Your passion has made the last three years fun. Loved our visit to Kinnick. We'll follow the Hawkeyes from afar for life. Punting is winning. Appreciate uh, Wandering Shep from uh, Australia with the Super Chat. And um, also Eric with the Super Chat. He says... Sorry, Brian, but this goose egg offense and the conniption fit with subsequent penalty you threw on the sideline is why we are moving on. Uh, Eric, thank you for the super chat. And again, I I made a comment on the breakdown, the meltdown and whatever you want to call it about Brian. I understand the frustration with the call. It just is such a bad look, you know, given the fact that it was the moment and he just has a meltdown. But it is what it is. It happened. Um, Jack wants to know yeah, about.
4: Go ahead, Don. The only thing I would say and comment on that, Coach Fry used to have an expression. You never get into a spraying contest with a skunk. Uh, and you could call that a spraying contest, I guess, because you're not going to win that. Right. You know, you're not going to win that argument. You know, they don't mind. They honestly don't mind hearing from the head coach. But the last thing they want to do is hear from anybody else. I used to tell my coaches, listen, uh, if we're going to argue a call, I'm going to do it, not you. Because they don't want to hear from you. They're respectful of the head coach, but they do not want to hear from me. That's a true statement. I think a lot of officials would back me up on that. If it's an unusual situation, they fully understand that they're going to hear from the head coach. But they don't want to talk to anyone else, and I wouldn't blame them either.
0: Well, it sounds like uh, Spencer Petrus and even, well, I saw the, the, we saw the video Kirk was having to hold Brian back on that play. Um, yeah. I, I think that's the frustrating part for me is like you said, if Kirk wants to get uh, up in the officials, I, I understand that. But when Brian's allowed to do that, you don't see Phil Parker doing that. Um, no. So I, I just didn't think it was a great look. Um it, Jack wants to know about the uh, early signing period. and I get forgot to get to this, or didn't see it actually. Jack, when Tom was on here, but I did message Tom with your question, Jack. And this is what Tom had to say regarding not having an OC named uh, prior to that early signing period beginning. And this is what Tom told me. He said, "I don't think it really will all will affect all that much because people know after twenty five years what Kirk's offense will look like. If they were looking for a quarterback, maybe it would matter." more of course um, I think that's more than valid and of course they have a James Resar coming in uh, in 2024 Don just your thoughts now I mean I know that the bowl game is still in front of us and and uh, Kirk's gonna have his guys focused on bowl prep but you know this is a unique situation because you have kind of a lame duck situation right now with offensive coordinator. Like, is the focus, if you were in this position, just strictly on the bowl game? Or are you looking at potential candidates, given how much things are sped up nowadays with hiring processes and recruiting in the transfer portal and all that?
4: Yeah, let me make sure I'm straight of the nice I recall December 12th. Does that sound right?
0: I believe it's later than mm-hmm. that. I believe it's just I could mm-hmm. be wrong. I think it's December 22nd.
4: Okay, uh, for some reason I was thinking it was more the middle of the month, but I, I'm not sure of the date. That's for sure. Um, you know, I would be disappointed in a lot of. Uh, I think that here's what here's what a recruit that's committed and is scheduled to sign with us Here's what he should expect. Uh, he should not expect that we have a, an announced name by that day. That's really that's strictly Kirk's song. That's the way it should be. Uh, I think. What will happen? I think they logically would expect. That's fine. Go ahead, there, whatever you want to. We're back to the hotel now. Um, I think uh, it would be logical that any offensive recruit, in particular, uh, would probably be more than comfortable if he just had a conversation with our head coach about about his plans for the offense and his plans the kind of people he was looking at to be the next OC. I think that should have pleased any high school student athlete. He shouldn't expect more than that because we got a limited amount of time to get that done. And and, uh, there are other recruits that need to be recruited, not just those guys that are going to sign early. Let's face it, recruiting is ongoing. There'll be other guys to sign uh, on the first Wednesday in, in February on the traditional signing date. So I would simply um, expect that Coach Ferris would give me, would he, we'd have a conversation about it. But it would simply be, you know, here's my thought. Maybe he let me give him some names. I don't know. That maybe not. Maybe there are no names involved. But just some kind of conversation relating to here's where I want to go with our offense. Here's what we need to do that we haven't been able to do. That type of conversation I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect anything more than that. I think that's about all any student athlete should expect. And if you're a a defensive player, of course, maybe you're not really that concerned at all to even want a discussion about it, who the OC would be. I'm sure any of those young men that ask, Coach Fertz would reassure them, trust me, I'm going to make a really good hire here because it matters greatly to me what happens with Iowa football. You know, we're going to make this better. Uh, I would expect that that message would come to the last from Kirk.
0: Don, do you? Uh, i was just thinking you're you're heading back into the hotel. If you want, I can text you the Streamyard link. If you want to click on it via your phone, would that work?
4: Uh, sure. What does that mean? That gives you a chance to have me on 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 the picture.
0: Yeah. Does that work?
4: Sure. If, as long as Lisa's here to figure out. Okay, yeah okay. I take part of it all you know i'm kind of it challenged so
0: okay well if, if it doesn't work out we'll, we'll get you back on the phone line but but go ahead and jump in the, the hotel room i'll go ahead and uh, send you that link we'll take a, a couple calls good. while you're getting set up and uh,
4: just and text me if you have any email problems my email, or, my email or hers
0: I'll, I'll just text it to your phone i'll just send you a text with it gotcha so
4: sounds good i'll talk to you in a few minutes
0: sounds good don thanks yep bye-bye All right, Jack, appreciate the super chat. And uh, Trepa Coles says, Will Michigan see a better defense in the college football playoff than Iowa's? Boy, I don't know that there's many defenses. I know Big Ten fans, Ohio State fans, Michigan fans wanted to argue with me, Penn State fans about whose defense was better. It is amazing to me what Phil Parker does week after week after week, especially given the situation that the offense, and tonight at times a special teams unit, and put that defense in, and yet the defense continues to perform with it being on the field a lot. And it was phenomenal. I mean, I think Don, Don was being more than fair using the language that he did. I think it was phenomenal this evening. And um, I don't know. I mean, I know Florida State's defense is really good. Did they even win tonight? I, I'm assuming they did. Uh, yeah, they beat Louisville 16-6. to They held Jeff Brom's offense to six points. I'm sure their defense, Florida State's defense, is really good, assuming they're in. I mean, I think the top four now, as far as the playoff is concerned, is pretty straightforward, right? With the exception maybe being, who do you take from the SEC? But you got Michigan, you got Washington, you got Florida State, and then it's either Georgia, um, Alabama, Texas. Ohio State, and do um, oh, I miss anybody there? That's basically your group of four, and my guess is the committee, and I could be totally wrong on this. My guess is the committee probably gives the nod to um, an SEC team. I cannot imagine them leaving an, ACC, an an unbeaten ACC team out at 13-0. But, again, Michigan's getting in. Washington is getting in. So, man, do you go Georgia, do you go Bama, or do you go Texas? Um, I think Ohio State's on the outside looking in, just given the fact that they uh, didn't win the East, unfortunately, for them. Um, so, yeah, I'll be interested to see how the committee sorts all that out. Thank you for the super chat, Trepa Coles. And, again, if you want to comment up on the screen, you can guarantee it by means of a super chat. There's just too many uh, too many comments trying to sort through here, and that uh, we are going to get... Coach Patterson, uh, we're going to try to get him set up here um, with the StreamYard link. Um, While we do that, thank you, Lemanski, for the super chat. Appreciate that. And if I missed your comment, go ahead and throw it up in the live chat again, uh, Lemanski, and I'll try to get to it. Let's get to our first caller of the day. We've got uh, Mike on hold. Mike, welcome to the show, Mike.
5: Hey, how's it going, Corey? Appreciate you having me on.
0: Good. How are you, sir?
5: Good, good. Well, first, I just want to thank you. you know, your show kind of motivated me to to do some live streaming myself, so I Good for I, you. I did the marathon run today and did a, like a watch along of the game, so
0: Awesome. Man, that
5: was rough, but I just wanted to, you know, run by some thoughts I had and happy okay. to jump off let the next guy or gal up, but um I was really hoping for a really aggressive run game today. Um I was thinking look, we know the ceiling for um, our quarterback you know let's get let's let's try to go for 40 carries amongst all the running backs that we have um and you know keep uh deacon at about 20 throws um and just bleed the clock on all the run plays uh, and i feel like you know Michigan kind of went that way they were they were really sticking to their run game despite it not working out but um i just felt like at the end of the game i could see, Michigan breathing heavy, and had we have just kept chipping away and then keeping them off of the field, using our punter to pin them deep, you know, I think this could have turned a different way. I was feeling really good after the first quarter, like, okay, a mistake, they scored, that's going to happen, but, you know, let's keep them at bay. And, you know, as much as I want to root for Brian, man, he it feels like he put his chips on Deacon today. And we all know what what happens with that. And I kind of think back to the Wisconsin game where it just felt like ground and pound. Like, okay, Deacon, just, you know, don't turn it over, <laughs> you know. Um, but would love to get your thoughts on that. I, I think I got pretty frustrated. Um, our running backs were averaging just over two yards a carry, you know, fourth and one you know, the Deacon, and not even touch push or anything. And I don't know, we just put a way too much on his shoulder today. And I, I don't blame Deacon. You know, we, we shouldn't have put him in that position.
0: Well, it's an interesting take. The only thing I would say in response to putting the game on Deacon's shoulders, I mean, you brought up the, the rushing averages were not good and I right. was having problems you know the the problem, as you well know, I mean, simple football, right? You 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 can't uh, average, you know, at least three and a half, four yards a carry, and you start getting behind in the chains. You're going to be in a lot of obvious passing situations uh, late in series. So, I, you know, I look at yeah, 32 pass attempts, probably more than an ideal situation when right. you're behind. I think it's just natural to start throwing the football a little bit more. I think the concerning thing for me. Not concerning. Is the right word? I don't know. But the frustrating thing, almost maddening thing to me, Mike, is the fact that you throw 30, uh, 32 times, and I didn't see a single shot down the field. Like, I, I didn't see no. really anything. You know, they they go second and two, and they kind of try to take advantage of a waist down with some play action, but I didn't really see Deacon look down the field. Maybe he did briefly. I don't know if they had a guy going deep on that play. Uh, but it just seemed like there weren't any wrinkles in the passing game. That was that's what would frustrate me the most, especially when you're behind. You better pull out the wrinkles that you've hopefully drawn up in the passing game. It didn't appear to me like there were any. And
5: yeah, I, I, I think that's where his ceiling is though. And man, the the ceiling. one thing that killed me uh Deacon.
0: Um the problem is they didn't but they didn't listen, go back last year with Spencer Peters. How many shots did they take with Spencer Peters? And that was his yeah. best quality.
5: Yeah, not many at all. And was
0: his ability to throw down the field.
5: Right. And and I think what probably killed me the most about the Brian Prague play calling today, look, Deacon is slow. Okay. We <laughs> we have to accept that. But you know, five yard line play action, you know, pass, that that was going to end terribly. I, I think you run it 10 times in a row, nine times out of ten, something terrible is gonna happen on that. heat. You know, he turns around too slow. His windup is slow. Defensive line is going to be on top of him, and he's just going to try to get it out of there.
0: Um, They've ran naked so many times, and it's worked at times. But teams have been able to – I mean, we saw it, I think, a couple weeks ago with Illinois. We saw it against Nebraska. We saw Mm -hmm. it here uh, tonight against Michigan. Eventually, you show something on tape. Um, Iowa's tight ends are really good, and Iowa does right. I think a pretty good job at at executing on those naked plays. But, but you're absolutely right. Eventually, it's going to get snuffed out, and I think that's the biggest thing. Is just it doesn't feel like we, and I say we, I'm talking about the Iowa coaching staff, understand the concept of making adjustments. Like the, everything is so one dimensional, right. right. with with the thinking, and that's scary. I mean, like I said earlier, you heard me. Drop this at the outset, Mike. I might talked about terms like throwing the kitchen sink at Michigan, talked about that <laughs> yeah. coming into the game. I mean, seriously. Yeah. What like I had listen, there are people in the press box with me this evening watching the Florida State Louisville game. They were on that their way. phones watching Florida State Louisville. That's how that's how boring the Iowa offense was to watch. And I guess what I don't understand is, and I had some people around me ask the same question. What did you have to lose? What did you have to lose? If you're Brian Ferentz, you're already canned. You're already done.
5: And I expected that he would be coaching for his next job.
0: Well, if he was, yeah. he did a pretty bad job of it. Anyway. Yeah, so, I, mean, I, just, I, I just don't understand yeah. the approach at all. And that's why I go back to the future now. And, and people who say, well, it's a Kirk Ferentz run offense. And, and maybe that's the case. And maybe if, if Kirk ultimately what's going to happen, Mike is Kirk's either going to hire somebody and give that coach some free reign and some yeah. freedom to make some significant philosophical changes on offense, or he's not, or he's going to hire someone like a John Budmeier or a Paul Crist, and they're going to perhaps be able to execute better. Like even like a Greg Davis. I know people hated Greg Davis. The offense was better under Greg Davis than it is yeah. now. I can look at the numbers.
5: I mean, just think if we were ranked, 100. Oh, okay. Let's not shoot too far for this guy, but 100.
0: I had a a media guy from the local Indianapolis area sitting next to me in the press box, and one thing he said to me, and I actually encouraged him, I said, please call into my show and, and give us this quote, because I thought it was a profound quote. Simple but profound. You know what he said, Mike? He said you know it's amazing how many resources and this is an unbiased non-Iowa fan non-Michigan fan he said it's amazing how many resources have been put into the offense and that you could say that at any university but just right. think about the the money <laughs> the money that's been put into Brian's salary Correct. and NIL and all these things and they can't get first downs they can't even move the ball we have, I mean, you have no idea what you're doing on offense. It's incredible. And I don't – I no longer – you know, I've went kind of been on the fence a little bit. kind of feel sympathy for Brian. You know, it's a difficult situation, and you see his pra- players embracing him last week. I don't feel any sympathy for the situation and how it was handled because he should not have been here this year at all. He should have yeah. been fired last year, if not the year before, okay, and it, whether it's the president you want to blame or it's Beth Getz, I think probably go up the ladder. If you're going to blame somebody, don't blame Beth Getz, who was acting as an interim coach. Yeah, interim so Beth gets it. <laughs> so. She get well. Regardless yeah. of who gets it, uh, <laughs> she made the decision, and I applaud her for it, even though it right. was a controversial decision from some people on the inside. So, anyways, long story short, Mike, um, I, I just didn't see any effort to do anything different than what we've seen. For the last three years with with Brian, and it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable, and it's ineptitude at its finest. You're right, and I think
5: the you know my my parting shot here is you know everyone look up the stats for total offense and look at the gap between us and 129, and that's enough. Like, sorry, man. No, no matter how much we feel for you, like you just can't recover from that.
0: Amen. Yep. Uh, Mike, appreciate you calling. Appreciate you. Hope, to hear, hope to hear from you again. Uh, we'll Thanks. keep in mind uh, uh, moving forward. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Uh, again, talking Iowa, Michigan, the 26 zero shutout Wolverines over the Hawkeyes this evening. And I believe uh, we're working on getting coach Patterson set up here in the queue. We've got a number of people waiting on hold. Uh, we'll first go to our super chat from Jason. He says, curious, who are your top OC candidates who would be a good fit for Iowa and compatible, or as he wrote here, compatibly with Kirk Ferentz and his philosophy? Go blue. Well, appreciate the comment, Jason. Um, I've named a few. I mean, I, I really haven't dove deeply into the subject just because, you know, the decision's not going to be made midseason. I think, from a philosophy standpoint, from a respect standpoint, I would be—I uh, would not be at all surprised if Kirk Ferentz makes a call to Paul Christ. I, it sounds like Iowa has at least contacted Andy Ludwig down at Utah. There's some other names out there that that have been thrown out and and, and tossed into the mix. I think fairly so. Um, you know, I don't think they can, they have a shot at getting Ryan Grubb. He's obviously the hottest name out there offensively. But I'm all for calling somebody. It doesn't take that much effort to, to find somebody's number and call. So I, I would do that again. Probably is not going to matter, but um, yeah, sure. Call Ryan Grubb, see what he says. Make him make him tell you no. And then there's other people. I think more realistic. You know, would someone like Jason Garrett consider um, being an OC at Iowa? I don't. I don't know. I mean, last I knew, he's working at NBC. He was a finalist for the Stanford job, I believe, last November, and I'm talking 2022. He's also in uh, consideration for the Duke job in, I believe, 22 or 21. So he has dabbled in with the idea of coaching uh, in college. Now, those were head coaching jobs. Would he want a uh, coordinator job and would he be qualified here? I don't even know that Kirk knows Coach Garrett, um, but that would be a possibility. And then, you know, one of the names that's been out there for a long time that I am not an advocate for pulling the trigger on would be John Budmeyer. And I have nothing against John Budmeyer, but he's been working with Iowa quarterbacks since, uh, we'll see, I have all the years mixed up now, since last year, right? He worked with uh, the Iowa QBs last year as well, and I have not seen any difference with quarterback play. So uh, he has a resume that, uh, he's a former quarterback himself, he's a quarterback's coach Wisconsin, he was a coordinator at Colorado State for a year. They were not very good, and the coaching staff got uh, deleted, got let go, and uh, he was out of a job. He's an analyst now, so wh- why would he be qualified to be a Big Ten offensive coordinator right now, especially for a program that desperately needs a change in a big way? But I don't know that Kirk Ferentz sees things that way, and I think a lot of people feel like Kirk is going to make a comfortable decision, and maybe John Budmeyer is that decision. I think Paul Christ is probably your safest bet right now, Um, and maybe it's someone else. You know, Maybe it's someone else. Uh, Andy Kolonecki, I think is how you pronounce his name, the guy from Kansas. I saw he just got a job with Penn State. He's a guy that was a graduate assistant under Coach Patterson at Western Illinois, and he's one of the hottest names. He was one of the hottest names after what he did at Kansas this year, and now he's the OC at uh, Penn State. So the clock is ticking, folks, because these things – The process has been sped up on recruiting, on the portal, and on hiring people. But Kirk is going to do things how Kirk wants to do things. And um, we probably won't get a decision until at least January. Uh, Eric with a Super Chat. uh, My long shot theory, Michigan does not make the playoffs. There may still be ongoing investigation, so it's easier to shun them now than vacate later. Um, I'll tell you what, Eric, that is not going to happen. Um, I understand why you say that. Michigan is getting in the playoff. And if they didn't, it would be, and I understand the playoffs expanding to 12 years or 12 years, to 12 games next year, but that would be so unprecedented if the committee decided, well, we're not going to put Michigan in because there's an ongoing investigation. That, that's just not going to happen, but I understand where you're coming from. And I do appreciate the super chat, um, from Eric, I believe we've got coach Don Patterson, uh, uh, I think. Uh, let's see if we've got Don. Don, I can't see Don's face now, so I'm not going to add him to the mix. Don, if you can hear me, give me a thumbs up. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, let's see. I can see Don. I don't know if Don can see and hear me. I'm waiting for a sign here. Okay. <laughs> Don, can you hear me? Coach, can you hear me? Give me a thumbs up, Don. No, I'm getting a lot of blank stares right now. Okay. Let's see if we can add them in. Don? Don? Hear you. Can you not? Okay, he cannot hear me.
4: Corey, if, can you hear me?
0: Yep. Can you hear me, Don? I can't hear you. Okay. Let's see if you can get the volume going, Don. <laughs> We're close. We're this close. Get the volume going. Turn the volume up. I don't know... Uh, I don't know what to to say on that. We'll try to get the volume going here for Don uh, on his uh, cellular device. So uh, let's go to our next caller while we wait for Don and then we'll, we'll get back to him. We've got Navid on hold Navid. Welcome.
2: Hey, how's it going?
0: Going good, man. How are you
2: I'm doing? Well, thanks. Uh, First time calling in, uh, but I've been watching for a while and just want to say great job with all the content. Appreciate it. Thank you. Over the years. Um, so I kind of want, want to just pay back off what you and coach Don were saying earlier. I thought the defense today was incredible. Um, I think they played lights out, uh, when they went, man, I thought it was, uh, the, the DBs played so, so well. That's when we got, I think most of our sacks today were on, were coverage sacks basically. So the DBs played fantastic. Um, on the offensive side, it was obviously like not not fun to watch as it usually is. And when you're talking about exotic plays, it feels like to me Brian Ferentz or, or Iowa or whatever, it feels like they think exotics are things like a jet sweep, a wide receiver jet sweep. Like that's kind of what it feels like to me because it feels like they don't want to go outside of that comfort zone when they make these play calls, and it's just. I don't know. It's, it's just really frustrating to watch that.
0: Well, I'll just go back to the simple beginning that we have with all of this, Naveed. And um, I always hear, you know, Kirk, this is Kirk's offense, blah, 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 blah. And, and in large part, it is. I understand that philosophically, the way Iowa, the way Kirk believes in football and the idea of, you know, using the pun game to your advantage and field position, et cetera, et cetera. That can work, and it does work more often than not. But the bottom line is, you and I both saw it tonight. We've seen it transpire against Michigan in 21. We saw it transpire against Ohio State in 22. We saw it transpire against Penn State this year, against Michigan this year. You cannot beat the big dogs in college football with this offense. You can't. Right. You cannot. Okay. They were able to do that. If you go back to 17 and 2016, and You know, even in 2019 against USC, if you want to argue they were a big dog, and even before that, because those offenses were at least average. They are so bad right now. It doesn't matter how good the defense is. They're so bad. And you talked about exotic plays. Maybe we should return to the simple fact that Iowa's had three offensive coordinators under Kirk Ferentz. So regardless of what you want to say about Coach Ferentz's philosophy, they've had three offensive coordinators one was Ken O'Keefe, who was an old buddy of Kirk Ferentz's. And I got nothing against Ken O'Keefe. Their offense, they had decent offenses during that time period. I don't know that he was ever up for a, a Broyles Award, but they were at least capable offenses. Then you get Greg Davis, which was clearly a stepping stone to the Bryan era. And then you have Brian Ferentz, former offensive lineman, former center, never coached quarterbacks, never called plays. And you're bringing in a, a guy uh, with limited NFL experience because he coached tight ends for a while on the league because of his connections with his dad. To me, they have not had people who understand fully understand the passing game and fully understand play calling. Coach Ference, Kirk Ference, has never been a play caller. Yeah, I mean that—that's the issue to me right now. Is you've got to get somebody under in the and I know that sounds simple and I'm oversimplifying it. They have to get somebody on staff who understands play calling, especially with the passing game. Because with the exception being Kirk, uh, with the uh, exception being. Greg Davis and Ken O'Keefe, and Greg Davis again, stepping stone to Brian was at the tail end of his career. And Greg Davis was good at times, not good at other times. They have not had somebody that really has a record, a track record, have been proven to understand the passing game.
2: Yeah. And it feels like Brian's best year was his first year as offense coordinator when they had Stanley and Noah Fant and all that. And you saw them, you saw them run exotics, like especially against Ohio State. Uh that that big win. So it's it just seems like he's regressed over time and maybe that's talent, but we've had talent as well uh over the years as well. So um yeah, it's just frustrating, like I said. I do want to also mention the uh the couple bad calls that we got in the game. Um, the fumble that Deacon had that I don't think was a fumble, or at least it shouldn't have been called back because uh I don't know if it was obvious in the press box for you guys, but they absolutely blew the whistle and that play should have been called dead. So I think that's what Brian was mad about. And I understand being mad, but I agree with you. Like at that point, you really shouldn't be putting yourself out there like that. Um, but I I thought, I thought honestly that call might've been worse than the, the gene touchdown called back just, just in terms of like, going by going by the books like if you're looking at the actual rules but
0: here's what the rule says and this is courtesy chad leisticoe tweeted this out during the game uh this is what the rule actually says it's if the pass is ruled forward and is incomplete the play is reviewable only if the ball goes out of bounds or there is clear recovery of a loose ball and the immediate continuing action or there is confirmation of the recovery by the officials on the field. If the replay official does not have indisputable video evidence as to which team recovers or the ball going out of bounds, the ruling of incomplete pass stands. If the replay official overturns an incomplete forward pass ruling and the ball is recovered, it belongs to the recovering team at the spot of the recovery and any advance is nullified. So again, reading between the lines here, Naveed was the play blown dead. Yes. Yes. The question then becomes, was there a clear recovery? Now, I, I agree. This this doesn't really stipulate what happens. If, if An incomplete pass, the language here, an incomplete pass to me would signify a play blown dead because an incomplete yeah. pass is blown dead.
2: And they blew the whistle.
0: However, the way the rule is stated, um, it makes an allowance for an incomplete call and recovery. So... Um, I, I don't. I don't have an answer for you. Um, I do believe that it was a terrible call based on the very uh, fundamentals of blowing a, a play dead. I mean, the, when the play is blown dead, players stop playing, right? And, and they, that's what and you're they did taught to do because when you play after the the play, you you risk penalties for doing for like conduct or whatever the case may be. So,
2: yeah,
0: um, yeah, I, I agree. Now, let's go back to the whole reason why there was even a review and a fumble or an incomplete pass because once again, Deacon doesn't know how to protect the football and protection breaks down. and He has no internal clock. Let's address the root of the issue.
2: Absolutely true. That's 100% true as well. And you saw that multiple times in the game, even when he didn't fumble it, there were multiple situations where it looked like he might've fumbled it. So you're totally right about that. I, I do find it funny though, because everybody did stop playing during that play. Once, once they blew the whistle, even the Michigan guy that picked the ball up, he kind of nonchalantly just like picked it up because it was right in front of him and handed it to the, the ref immediately. Like it, it didn't seem like he was actually trying to recover the ball. So uh, it, yeah, really, really weird call. And obviously Deacon shouldn't have, he, he shouldn't have put been in that position to make that mistake. So um, the other, the other call I wanted to talk about was the um, I think it was the play right before jazz Patterson fumbled the ball where he it was it looked like it was a late hit he got pushed down and that was a, i thought that was a really big play too because they were on the Michigan side of the field and you know it was i think it was 10-0 at the time so could have put them back in the game but obviously i don't know if either of those calls would have made a difference in the outcome i don't think they would have i didn't expect Iowa to win this game but uh just it, it definitely would have made a big difference in terms of momentum
0: sure for sure and i agree with that i, I just can't uh, frankly i just cannot get over the fact that when you look at the score right there navid you have a goose egg oh yeah i, I just like
2: I, no the, the offense is bad. abysmal oh
0: abysmal and and again the yeah. calls bad yes did they make a difference yes but i don't think anybody can convince me that if you don't have those two calls that there's any way i was even close to winning this game i understand momentum and there's times where i would agree with that but yeah i just think i, I just think about it penn state and michigan beat Iowa this year what would be the combination of scores 57 (laughs) zero
2: yeah it's crazy and when was I think yeah I don't remember what they said uh during the Penn State game but that that Penn State game was the first shutout in years for Iowa and now they have two in the in the same year so yeah that just goes to show how how terrible the offense has been
0: it's incredible uh Navid appreciate the call please don't be a stranger to the show we look forward to hearing from you next time thanks for having me all right, um, we've got a, a number of callers here still waiting to get on. Let's go to our phone line. Thank all you for right. calling uh, our Iowa post game with coach John Patterson, who's on the line.
2: Corey,
3: this is Lomansky. good evening. Lomansky, welcome to the show sir. Thanks for all you do. I'm gonna I'm gonna spin forward to the bowl game that's coming up. Bowl games have changed immensely with opt-outs and what they mean, and some people say they're, you know, less important in the bigger scheme of things. I'd like you and Don to comment about, especially Don being head coach, but you also, if you, if you're suffering from a below-average Big Ten quarterback room, why wouldn't you reward those youngsters in the quarterback room and put them out? sequentially in so much time and give everybody some reps that'd be valuable for next year be valuable for their their ability to go forward in the careers whether it's Iowa or not I just I, I I I think it's just so logical to do that
0: um yeah and, and you know what Lomansky Tom said a few minutes ago um you know potentially treat the bowl game like a. Uh, I don't know, a, a debut or or a what's the word? What, what's the word I'm trying to think of? A tryout, <laughs> right? And I, I don't think there's any chance Kirk does that, but I, I agree. I mean, like, I would have loved to have seen Marco in this game. I said that pregame. Like, that's not just because Deacon wasn't playing well today. We all said that. Like, it'd be nice if Iowa could figure out a, a package of plays and have that ready for Marco And there's just no, it doesn't appear that there's any desire to do something like that. There's just no desire to do it. They don't have interest in doing that. It's not even in, it doesn't appear to even be in the stratosphere of thinking. And I can't guess what the coaches are thinking, but based on their actions, it doesn't seem like that's even on the spectrum, so to speak.
3: Uh, This is my opinion. Deacon is a backup quarterback from what we know today. He could get better. If he's a backup quarterback, and the statistic I heard in the 2023 season, I think it's like 60%. It's a high percentage of starting quarterbacks nationwide are transfers. That, to me, is another reason why you put your quarterback room and play all those guys for experience and see what they are when the bright lights are on. That's another reason to do it. Fair. And if you're so pro-ass, pro-student as a coaching staff, and I think they are, I think that's why uh, you know the Jack Campbells of the world are so committed. If you're really pro-student athlete, you are making a huge mistake by not doing that at the bowl game and even other positions like tonight, you know, Sebastian Castro, I think was a quarterback and you're on your side of the field tonight. I would not put beacon in those play actions. Nobody in the backfield in your side of the field. Why not be Kirk? We're just going to punt. We're going to try to get a first down and punt. And they didn't do that tonight. Brian put, Deacon in terrible positions on his end of the field, which I'm really pissed off about.
0: Well, I think what you said um, is fair. And here's the other thing I'll say, Lemansky. You know, another reason why I'm pretty confident they're not going to be debuting or trying out any uh, backup court. Like they're not going to be giving Marco some run and Linez some run, barring something unforeseen. What happened last year? Last year, you have Alex Padilla and Spencer Petrus all jump into the portal. Well, first of all, Petrus was hurt. I shouldn't say that. Padilla jumped in the portal. Petrus is hurt with a shoulder injury. He's out for the bowl game. It would have been an excellent opportunity to do what? Play Carson May. Play the young guy. Instead, what do we do? We run our future draft pick tight end, Sam Laporta as a Wildcat quarterback. That's what you do. You run Sam Laporta, by the way, coming off a lower leg injury, as a Wildcat quarterback. Instead of giving your backup quarterback, Carson May, some snaps. What happens just days after the bowl game? What do you know? Carson May enters the portal. What do you know? Former four-star, right? (laughs) Former four-star quarterback that we were all excited about. Bye-bye, gone. He's at Wyoming now, hasn't played yet, I don't think. Still really young. Who knows? Maybe he wasn't the answer. But, I mean, again, what reason do we actually have to think that Kirk is going to be playing younger guys? They had Joe Labus, who was a third-string quarterback last year, who played in that bowl game, and he never shared time with anyone other than the Wildcat tight end.
6: Oh,
3: you your current uh, player portfolio at practice. You know, that's the new buzzword. You've got to recruit your existing players first. You can't recruit them at practice. You've got to recruit them during games. And then I'll end with this, Corey, and you can comment on what I just said if you want. But uh, the other thing is what's been mentioned is Beth notified Brian midseason. That he's not going to be there, and then critic- he's been criticized for that. Well, that's what's wrong with our program, because even the coaching staff and some fans think that the coaching staff runs the program. No, it's it's run by it's run by the president, the athletic director, and with our nepotism laws, we have the right to do that. And one of the most things I'm really disappointed in Kirk is that. He made a point of that, that we deal with that after the season. Well, that's evidence that he does think he has control of his son and when he goes. And that's 100% wrong. That's being, that's being I don't even know how to explain it. That's like Captain Bly on a ship in the ocean. Like, you can't even acknowledge, uh, you know, you work for somebody, you, you always... You always acknowledge a hierarchy, the way the game is, and if if you don't own the company, you can't make that decision. So I'll I'll hang up and listen, Corey, and and uh, I would like to know what Don thinks about my idea for the bowl game, what he would do as the head coach. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Lomaski.
0: Yeah, I mean, and by the way, respond to the comment here in the chat, BJ. I see you in the chat a lot. You know, appreciate you being here. What does throwing the kitchen sink mean? Our offense doesn't have the talent. Are you talking about a running back pass? We don't have a sink to throw. That's just horse manure. That's just crap, man. Come on, come on. You, you, I guarantee you're sitting here trying to tell me that if you didn't have a proven play caller, that they didn't, they wouldn't have anything to do. They just sit down and sing kumbaya on the sidelines. Come on, come on. You don't believe that. You have been bred to believe that based on the ineptitude that is the Iowa offensive staff. That's what you've been bred to believe, okay, that Iowa doesn't have any talent. You thought Iowa didn't have any talent when Charlie Jones wasn't catching passes. Hello? Hello? And I'm not ripping you, BJ. You're not the only one that feels this way. I'm just so tired of that narrative because has recruiting been an issue? Yes. But you know what else has been an issue? Development. Philosophy. Play calling. Play calling. Play calling. The ability to evaluate who you do have on the roster, who is available on game day. The fact that you evaluate your quarterbacks differently than you evaluate your running backs, your tight ends, your defensive backs, your linebackers, your defensive linemen. They're all evaluated on a standard that doesn't apply to the quarterback position. And then when you talk about, well, number one priority after the Wisconsin game, the number one priority is we don't want our quarterback fumbling, and that's what Deacon did really well against Wisconsin, so that's why we kept him in there. Well, then he fumbles the ball, fumbles the ball, fumbles the ball, throws an interception, and you still keep him in there. You're contradicting yourself, right? Am I am I wrong on that? You're contradicting yourself. Maybe I'm just ranting, right? I'm just ranting. Uh, D. Roloffson, thank you for the super chat. We don't need a... We don't need a not name, just competence. Thumbs up 2024. We don't need a not name. What is being said here? A not name, a new name, a naughty name, a noteworthy name. What are we talking about? Um, I don't know. Thank you for the super chat. Nonetheless, I, I maybe it's just too late for me to, to uh, play hangman here. Thank you for that. I do appreciate it. Leeds, coaching Corey If Kirk retires after the bowl does that affect his legacy in your mind if so how well i'll tell you this uh, leads i don't think he's going to retire after the bowl game i said a couple months ago that i thought there was a chance he may leave after this year especially given the situation with brian but i doubt that happens now i just have a feeling that's not going to happen based on everything that i've heard nobody that i know that's real connected with kirk that's much more connected to kirk than i am certainly nobody that i've talked to believes he's going to retire right now now he's a private person things could change but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, so if he walked away, he'd still be walking away 10 and two. And frankly, I said a year ago with them winning 10 games a year, two years ago, with them winning two, 10 games two years ago, that that might've been an opportunity to retire then because the offense was terrible and you still got to 10 wins. The offense is not, I'm telling you right now, and you know this, they are not getting the 10 wins next year with this offense. They're not doing it. We said heading into this year, they can get to 10 wins with that offense. So it's not like this was unprecedented, like Kirk keeps fooling us. No, we knew the schedule was bad. We knew the schedule was cake. All right? And give Kirk credit because they had a lot of injuries. They had a lot of problems, some self-inflicted, right? Drama in the situation with Brian. That's some of that self-inflicted. Kirk kept these guys together, and I've been on the Kirk train as it relates to his ability to rally the troops. And be a head coach. But the bottom line is some of that was self inflicted. And you know, um, they went ten and two on a schedule that was very, very subpar. Next year's schedule is not very, very subpar. Next year's schedule's a beast. Next year's schedules is a bear. Okay? A big old bear. And I'm not talking about Deacon Hill. Let's go to our next caller. We've got Alex on hold. Alex, welcome to the show.
6: Good afternoon, Corey. How are you? Doing good. Oh, man. good evening. Good evening. Wow, it's we used to have afternoon games. I'm interesting. Here, um,
0: real quick, just so you're right. here in Indy, it's two two a.m. So uh, it's not even.
6: It's almost one here. So yeah. Anyways, Um, I think first I start with the positive. The defense needs to walk out of this game with their head held high. They did everything they could to keep us in this game and try to win this game. Granted, you know Nick Jash Nick Jackson, which he probably had that interception back um, or you know, at least the chance at another interception, but, you know, kind of piggybacking. Oh, well first, um, you know, I know, uh, I think my memory in three years ago in 2021, you had a couple of Michigan fans after that game and kind of roasting me a little bit. I don't know if you have any on here. I thought I saw a couple, but you know, we can talk about the officiating, which, you know, the, the roughing the passer call, uh, you know, that should have been called and then the fumble, uh, and you asked about the telecast because you were in the press box um, they actually Joe Klatt and both Gus Johnson kind of questioned it, and they brought in Dean Blandino who is like the rules analyst and he even said like he was like he didn't question the fumble but he or the the recovery but he's a question about the arm moving forward so that was his that was his kind of his bugaboo uh, about that now having said that, does it change the outcome of the game? Probably not, but the game's completely different. If that roughing the passers called, I was moves forward deeper into Michigan territory. I think they at least get three points, uh, you know, and then that, uh, fumble, inter- the incompletion to the fumble, does Iowa score? Probably not, but they can at least punt the ball, you know, and that changes field position. I, Michigan doesn't get it on, you know, in Iowa's red zone. Um, you know, I had a, I actually had a friend who's a Michigan fan. He texted me saying, "Yeah, Michigan's beating that Iowa defense." I go, and I s- just right as he said that, uh, I can't remember who tweeted it out. Said uh, Michigan scoring touchdown drives totaled 11 yards, and I screenshot that and sent that to him. So, but goes back to the defense playing extremely well. So, uh, talked about play calling. Um, Kinda of like you even said it, like it was very conservative. Like in the first half, Caden Wiegen caught makes a fair catch signal on the two-yard line. Why? Well, what? Look, look. I, I, I saw that like I saw him like after the kickoff, like I think it was either after the touchdown or the field goal. He well, does we, this, okay. catches okay. it, I'm just like, huh? I'm just like and you can see the, like, he's got some speed. He, you know, he's.
0: I want to make clear that is not a kid. I want to, I know we all say, why is Caden Wegen calling for a fair catch? Coach, I think we got Coach Patterson with us. Coach, that is a coaching decision, right? Caden Wegen is told when and where to call for fair catches on kickoffs, correct?
4: Yes. Yes. I would imagine every time there's a kick, he's been told uh, how to react to it. I'll give you another example. Later in the game, he took one, I think it was at least a yard, if not two yards, in the end zone. And without hesitation, he brought it out. And I mentioned then to Lisa. I said, I'm sure he was told, you got to try to make something happen. So bring it out of the end zone. We need a big play.
6: And but it should have yeah. that pl- that happened at that point. It should have been at the very start of the game. It's like, if you're not like five yards in your end zone, try to make something happen. It shouldn't have been at like halfway through the game of like, okay, now, okay, our offense sucks. Our defense is getting tired. You need to make something happen. It shouldn't have been at, it yeah. shouldn't have been at halfway through the game. It should have been at the very start of the game.
0: I agree with you to a large extent, Alex, simply because of the situation and the opponent. I think in normal, under normal circumstances, it seems like when I watch teams return from any, anything, the five and inside the five, they typically get stopped short of the 25. So, but in this situation against this team, and we've been talking all week about how Iowa needs to throw the kitchen sink and figure out a way to generate a big play. I absolutely agree. Uh, I would have set a different standard and I'm no coach Don, but is it fair to say that in a game like this, where you know, you're going to have to roll the dice a little bit, maybe you, you you change your standard to, Hey, we're not going to fair catch everything inside the five, but, if it's outside of the end zone, we're going to return it.
4: Well, I wish we could. I wish we could have some some Michigan fans weigh in on this because I'm pretty sure most of those fans would acknowledge every time we can touch the ball, they kind of held their breath because he meant business. And and there was a couple, There were a couple of cases when it looked like he was going to bust a big return, whether it was kick or punt. I mean, he he had some good return yards already. But he's a dangerous return guy.
6: But let me let me bounce off of that. Iowa did not help themselves because the two big returns he had got negated by two blocks in the back, and that was something that Iowa has had issues right. with this year on kickoff returns. Even when Cooper was in there, had a couple of illegal blocks in the back, and then going kind of sticking with the penalties. Mason Richmond, I know he's starting at right tackle. Three false starts just on him alone. So there's your five, there's five penalties plus the one penalty from Brian. I can't think of what the other one was the other penalty that Iowa got, but it was,
4: I believe Mason had a hold also in there.
6: I don't remember a hold by Iowa, but
4: one time I recall, I believe they might have 78 for a hold. I could be wrong, but that's just my recall.
6: Yeah. It's so, um, kind of in the, uh, Tom Caker talked about like Kirk's philosophy about offense when we've talked about offensive coordinator and, you know, something that he said after Brian Ferris was fired, um, or at least when the announcement was made. And even you could, people could argue it's like, you know, when they fired Brian, they should have got rid of him that week rather than like, okay, we'll let you coach the rest of the year and then, then you got to go find another job. I think this was a good case study of like, we should just cut ties totally. But obviously, I think Kirk might have said something about that. But it's, you know, all, hot, it's all, you know, speculative at this point. But,
0: well, um, Here's the deal. This is the argument from the other side of that. If you cut ties completely, what does that do?
6: Mid season. He could lose the lock he could lose the locker room players, you know. I could see yeah, I but see that.
0: Bring in as an interim OC. That's the problem. Who do they have to bring in? John Budmeyer? Liddell Betts. Liddell Betts, a guy who's never called plays and
6: Lavar Woods. I mean LeVar we- Woods, never called plays. Well, it's well to me. There was Brian Ferentz, but they gave him the reins.
0: Now did that work out?
6: <laughs> exactly. But if you have an interim tag, it's like okay, we're not. It's the interim tag. We're not going to expect you know, the, you know, expect this offense to all of a sudden be you know a hundredth. It's like okay, you're just going to fill in where we can, and then we'll hire someone in the off season. But. The, the whole Kirk Ferent philosophy of like, well, we'll hire someone in the offseason. Well, we start seeing all these offensive coordinators, these head coaches start getting, finding other jobs. If I will wait till after the bowl, I'm kind of, I'm really afraid of who we're going to get. Like, what what offensive coordinator is going to be left out there that's actually going to be worth a damn? Um, and we saw this at the, when Brian Ferrin got fired, I kind of went on a weird tangent there. When he goes, well, we reevaluate at the end of the year before we make any changes well, you said that last year and we still kept Brian so right. and I understand you know I work in a business I'm a supervisor at my job and I and when change comes I, I mean with my team we've had some big changes in my department there's a lot of pushback change is scary changes sometimes can be hard but changes sometimes are necessary and it's just one of and this is not nothing against Kurt but it's like it was time for a change and if he can't see that then I don't know is it time for Kirk to say Okay, I'm going to be done after this year, and it's nothing to say. Kirk's not a, a bad coach. It's just I the game I think has passed him by. Now he has now he has shown changes of attacking the transfer portal nil, um, but he's he's not a fan of it. He's not like Dabo Sweeney. Who finally, I think they they made a big deal that Dabo Sweeney made a made an offer to an offensive lineman in the transfer portal. You know, Kirk is actually attack the transfer portal which is you know showing that he can adapt and change but he's not a fan of it he hates it so
0: he also had to right because push the narrative that we're not very good personnel wise and that's why we suck you have to attack the transfer portal and excuse me it's a little bit easier for kirk to attack, attack the transfer portal when you have the backing of your big money money donors alex any parting words before i let you slide
6: um yeah. I just have two, two more things. Um, I think, uh, you talked about transfers. I think Labus transfers, I think we're going to see like, a, I just, he, he's looking at Deacon going, why am I not getting a chance? And that kind of goes back to the offensive, like throwing the kitchen sink, you know, let's put Labus in for a series or two and see how he does maybe as a dual threat quarterback, you know, keep Michigan and they all up, you know, but instead we keep fat Spencer Peters back there. Um, and then, uh, so, and, I think we lose either uh, KJ John- or um, Caleb Johnson or Jazzy and pass into the transfer portal. And then the last thing I'm kind of real, I'm really disappointed in the De- uh, vines. He as a wide receiver. Now, granted, obviously our offense is not built to throw the ball, but whenever he's had the opportunities, I don't know how many passes he's dropped this year, but it has been super just, he dropped one that was totally egregious, hit him right here. Which would which would gave, gave Iowa a first down, but instead it was a third and long after that.
0: He was was that the one where he was smiling on the way back, trotting back to I, the line.
6: I can't remember. I was after I saw it, I was like, "You got to be kidding me, man! You have had so many opportunities to catch passes, and I get, I would be curious to see his drop rate versus his catch rate because I personally I don't know this off the top of my head, but I think his drop rate is pretty high. I, I wouldn't be surprised if his drop rate was higher than his catch rate. But that's all I have to say. Thanks for having me on, Corey. Thank
0: you, Alex. Uh, Kurt, Corey, can you buy Don Patterson some internet? Don Patterson is not at home, Kurt. Don Patterson is not at home, Kurt. <laughs> Don, do you need me to buy you a new cellular plan?
7: I'm
4: downstairs in the hotel. Um, uh, I told Lisa I was not going to keep her awake tonight just because we, we were on the air. So I'm down in the hotel lobby, and um, I think this hotel has pretty good internet. So uh, I'm happy to be talking with you, even if even if I am off camera.
0: Well, appreciate that. And I've got a couple of people in the chat wanting to know about uh, Caden Weijan not playing on um, – on offense, uh, I, I don't I haven't really had people ask that question until now, but um, do you have any comment on that? We saw him a little bit early on in the season um, in the backfield, but we really haven't seen them try to use Caden offensively, and yet he's shown, as you said earlier, Don, uh, propensity to maybe make some big plays. He does have speed. Are you surprised we haven't seen Iowa try to use him at receiver?
4: Yeah, let me reflect back, Corey. I believe in maybe game one or game two, he had a fly sweep or two, I believe. Correct. Does that sound right?
0: Yep, and I believe one at least one uh, of those was successful.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll give you an e- example of who he reminds me of a little bit as a receiver. Maybe he's not gifted to run great routes and make acrobatic catches, but it reminds me of a year ago or two years ago when we commented about a young man that was playing receiver, and I made the comment, Maybe if nothing else, we just get him the ball in space and give him a chance to see what he can do. And that guy this year, I believe, had maybe something over a thousand yards all-purpose for Purdue. Remember that? Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, uh, our guy Dunlap. that transferred to Purdue. Yeah, which one? Oh. <laughs>
4: well, I'm not talking about Charlie Jones. I'm talking about Tyron the guy that played this year for him. Yeah. I can't think of his name. It's Tracy. Help me out, yes, Tracy. Uh, you know, the thing you could say about Tracy, maybe he doesn't have the world's best hands, but he can catch the ball, especially if it's thrown short, behind the line even, in some cases. And the thing you liked about him, he resembled a running back when he caught the ball. Well, there's no shocker. I believe he was probably their leading rusher this year. If not, he was right there with McAbee, um, as a leading rusher. He was a productive Offensive force for Purdue this year. One of their better, one of their better options.
0: So why is it is that, that the other
4: running back's name, Maccabee? I think
0: Maccabee. Yeah. Why is it that See, these?
4: Yeah. Go
0: ahead. Why is it that these offensive skill position players can go other places and perform, and they can't do it here?
4: I don't know exactly why uh, Wiggins didn't get more snaps on. So. On offense, uh, maybe he's got a limited role, but it gets back again to what we talked about uh, as it relates to a second quarterback. Maybe the plan only involves marco line is in for two snaps, three snaps, four snaps, whatever It gives the defense something else to consider. I couldn't help but notice that that judges backup was in there playing quarterback again, wasn't he a few snaps tonight? yes. I, I believe, I, I didn't have the benefit of the TV announcer, but I couldn't help but notice at least one snap. He was in for and ran the ball. He's a good runner, so they put him in and ran the ball with him. They were probably a little bit concerned. JJ was kind of getting beaten up. And they thought, this is a good time to give him a little bit of a, a blow. Let's put the backup in. That'll appease him anyway, of course, because he wants to play. And um, I'm sure they thought, we don't want to play... 10 snaps with this guy, but we certainly don't have any problems playing two or three because we have an idea of what we're going to ask him to do, and it's, it's something that he's pretty good at. And you could say the same thing about Marco. Are there a, there's got to be a handful of plays that the coaches could identify as Marco is more than capable of executing these plays. Matter of fact, he executes them better than Deacon does. Okay, Deacon's our guy, but what's wrong with giving Marco? A chance to for Deacon on three or four specific snaps where you have an idea of how to showcase what he can do. Let's face it, our coaches know what he can do, but Michigan doesn't know. They don't know anything about Marco. Correct. They'd find out in real and find out in real time.
0: A uh, couple of comments. So, here, my, so
4: my point is we're just trying to make ourselves more difficult to defend, that's all
0: uh don leads in the chat wants to know if kirk retires after the bowl does that affect his legacy
4: well you know what kirk has accomplished is significant you know he's he's the winningest coach in the history of iowa football um so that that says a lot about his legacy uh I can't imagine knowing that Kirk has a lot of personal pride. Uh, Kirk didn't want to go out uh, and and leave leave this place in a in a bad way. He didn't want to do that. Um, so for that reason alone, I don't think I don't think he will. I don't think he will hang it up. I I don't see that happening.
0: I don't either. Um, Not at this point um lomansky says great to have access to the best podcast in football thanks don tom and cory always be a hawk stolen from john hayden fry thank you uh lomansky for the super chat do appreciate the compliment and don i i don't know about you i had a good time walking around with you today at the hawkeye huddle and in spite of this loss today's experience at lucas oil is a, a memorable one for me not just being able to, to cover the game up in the press box and be a part of the festivities up there but being able to be part of the pregame festivities with you and being able to talk to a lot of people that listen to this show at the hawkeye huddle and um, i had a good time can you talk a little bit about the experience in indianapolis for you i know you've been here before
4: yes i uh, i thoroughly enjoyed um two years ago we went to the rally and that was a lot of fun because even two years ago there were a lot of people that that voiced their appreciation for our show and as, I, as you know, Corey, I mentioned to you during the week, I said I'd like to strongly recommend that you come to the Pepper Rally because I think we'll run into people that'll be quick to thank you for, for organizing and doing what you've done. And, and sure enough today, Corey, I'm sure it was rewarding for you to hear from so many people, uh, and I agree 100%. It's very gratifying for me to hear our fans to be able to hear them say, we so much appreciate what you're doing and we cannot thank you enough for what you did for Iowa football as a coach. And now you continue to to give to Iowa football with your your show with Corey. Uh, And of course, most of them know I'm still involved with analytics and doing what I can to help the program. Uh, That's what the program deserves. And that's what the fans deserve. You know, they deserve a, a good talk show that, that involves a lot of of open and honest assessment. And make no mistake, I'm tremendously loyal to Iowa football. You know, I gave 20 years of my life to Iowa football, but that doesn't mean that I can't still be honest with my assessment. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm frustrated for Deacon because Deacon is not ready to be an all-conference quarterback. But... Part of the problem that Deacon had tonight tied into Michigan's defense versus our offensive line. You know, we struggle to block those guys with regularity. We struggle to run the ball. I'm not beating up our offensive line. Uh, Michigan's defensive line is exceptional. So, um, but part of the problem lies squarely in Deacon's lap, too. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, let's talk about the play that was so upsetting to, to Brian and Kirk on the sideline. You know, we're back up. And if you go back and look at the replay, uh, uh, you've talked about pocket awareness and an idea of, of how much time you have. You know, they can sometimes, it's a little bit late to deliver the ball. One reason, There's two reasons it's a little bit late. One of them is simply the, the process in which he decides to throw the ball, but another part of it that Deacon can work on between this year and next year, you know, he's got a little bit of a wind-up delivery if you go back and look at it. He doesn't have a very compact pulling motion. I'll just say it that way. Uh, so an ideal quarterback uh, can get the ball out quickly when he decides to throw it. Right now, I'd have to say his delivery it's a little bit below average in terms of how quickly the ball comes out. And you're dealing here in hundreds of a second. You know even a couple of hundreds of a second makes a difference. Uh, truthfully, one one hundredth of a second can make can be the difference in in the ball being uh, out of the quarterback's hand and the ball getting off. So um, that's something that they can, can work on between now and next year. Uh, but Deacon has to recognize, you know, he's not a victim. Here he's part of the problem. You know, our offensive line can improve. And for that matter, Deacon can can take care of his shortcomings too. Uh, you know, uh, it's all about honest assessment. We always talk to our players about honest assessment. Don't be quick to blame your teammates. Be honest in assessing are you part of the problem rather than part of the solution? If you're part of the problem, then you need to take it personally. I don't want to be part of the problem. I'm going to be part of the solution. And you can't change that between now and the bowl game, not to any great extent. But it's something for digging to work on, even between now and now and the next game. I don't know when the next game is, but not too far away. But just to have an awareness, you know, uh, you know, my... My throwing motion is a little bit elongated. The ball comes out a little slower. That means I cannot be late with my decision making, because the longer I hold the ball, the more likely we are to get stripped, or the ball is more likely to get get knocked out of my hand, uh, uh, get tipped by a lineman, and whatnot. Um, incidentally, part of the problem with some of those tip passes, our linemen need to understand. Their job is to slow up the pass rush a little bit before releasing the block downfield. There's a time or two there where they said they didn't slow those rushes down at all. And as a result of that, the guy's right there in Deacon's lap before he knows it. because any wonder the ball gets knocked down because um, the defender literally no more than a couple of feet away from the ball when it gets thrown. Maybe two feet is so exaggeration. Maybe it's three or four feet away, but not very far. It's not that hard. To get your hand into the throwing line, uh, and any number of passes you can say, not just this week, but other weeks. You know, that's part of our problem is we're getting a lot of passes batted down. And um, part of that problem lies with the late release on the throw. Part of the problem lies with our linemen maybe sometimes uh, intentionally releasing their blocking assignment a little bit too early. I would argue we got to slow those guys up a little bit more to give us the right timing on the play. Hope that makes sense to you.
0: It, it does. Um, D Rollison with the super chat. No need for a hot name for OC Corey, hundred percent tonight. <laughs> thank you, D Rollison. Appreciate that. And Lomansky uh, again, thank you for the super chat Lomansky. Um, so Erica says in the chat, um, Brian is a great position coach but a horrific OC. The only thing I'd say on that is I don't know that he's a great position coach. Don, I'm sure Kirk would say he's a great position coach, but I don't know that. Maybe he is. Uh he has not proven. Well, it. I think
4: he certainly I think he certainly has the knowledge to be an effective offensive line coach. Uh, right.
0: But the he's, only coaching thing qu- addition- he's coaching quarterbacks right now, Don. That's his title.
4: Okay. Uh, I didn't realize we were specifically talking about him as a quarterback coach. I'm
0: just saying, we've we have seen the ascension up the ladder to a point where he's calling plays, he's coaching quarterbacks, and neither his play-calling ability, his ability to oversee the offense, nor his ability to develop quarterbacks, to me, has been shown. So,
4: Yeah, maybe, I would ask you this question, Corey. Give me your best estimate. How much of this... How much of Nathan's quarterback instruction is coming from Brian versus John Budmeyer?
0: What percentage of it is coming from Brian over Budmeyer? I'd say, right. well, in game instruction, hopefully it's all coming from Budmeyer, or excuse me, from Brian, because Budmeyer is not supposed to be able to have communication with the players on game day. As it relates to practice during the week and development on the field during the week or during the off season, obviously, these guys have their private coaches, but I would guess it's more like 80 20 Budmeyer. And based on what I've heard, it's, it's more like 80 20 Budmeyer.
4: Yeah, yeah that's, that, that's a problem. Quantify but Dun, it's not hard Dun, to imagine Dun, that.
0: Don, go ahead. That, that's a problem. That is a problem. Sure. That Iowa has sure an is. analyst who, in reality, is working as the quarterback's coach, and the quarterback's coach. Most of us accept the fact, and you talk to people who are there on a day-to-day basis and see what work is being put in with who, John Budmeyer is putting in a lot of work with these quarterbacks, and yet Brian Ferentz has been your quarterback's coach the last two seasons. That does not make sense to me at all.
4: Yeah, I understand why you feel that way.
0: Um Spaceboy74 in the chat says, Iowa loses their OC and quarterback coach next year. Don't they need two hires now? Well, no. Typically, the OC and the quarterback's coach are one and the same, as is the case with Brian Ference. Now, that hasn't always been the right. case. Brian was coaching tight ends, and then he got elevated to the quarterback position when Ken O'Keefe stepped away, and so Iowa went ahead and hired uh, Abdul Hodge as tight ends coach. So whoever they bring in will likely be coaching quarterbacks. Is that fair, Don? They'll be coaching quarterbacks and calling the offense.
4: That's the most logical scenario, yes. Uh,
0: JW wants to know about deep handoffs. Don, can you talk about uh, just uh, philosophy and strategy as it relates to depth on or running back depth with the run game?
4: Well, a lot of times, and you know, there's I don't know if, if the listeners understand the difference in shotgun and pistol. A lot of people probably don't understand the difference. Uh, shotgun, the thought in shotgun is that the back is sitting off to one side or the other. Uh, typically, he's aligned slightly deeper than the quarterback because the quarterback, uh, maybe his heels are at five yard depth, something like that. But his job, of course, is to make the proper exchange to the back if we're going to run the ball. Uh, and truthfully, a lot of the teams that are really effective with Runs out of the shotgun, you'll see the quarterback actually ride the back a little bit up into the line. He's still behind the line of scrimmage when the exchange finishes, uh, but he's toward the line of scrimmage. You know, if he's lined up at five yard depth, maybe the exchange is really made it, maybe three yard depth. And the, re- the argument for that is it's harder for the other team to figure out who has the ball, of course, and you're able to clear the line of scrimmage in a short amount of time. There are other times, though, when we line up in Pistol, Pistol simply means the quarterback still has that same depth, maybe, but the back is sitting directly behind him. Uh, What you would think of is in the back of the eye. You know, maybe he's at nine-yard depth. Uh, It it depends on who the team is, of course, eight or nine-yard depth. Uh, And as you suggested, the only negative about Pistol is And mike has got to run a while to get to the line of scrimmage. Now, one argument for putting him that deep is so he can see the blocking scheme develop and be able to adjust his path a little better. And the risk you take, of course, is if if there is a lot of penetration involved in someone on the part of the D line, you risk getting tackled for minus five. I think we had a minus four or five tonight a couple of times uh, when we were deep in the backfield with our running back alignment. So, um, you know one obvious solution is is to play more out of the gun where the back is simply setting to the quarterbacks left or right and and that's largely what we do, but sometimes you'll see him directly behind the quarterback It just depends on the play,
0: Charlie Yellowstone, what about Pat Fitzgerald? Oh, what about him?
4: That's what. Yeah, he make a great linebacker coach or a great defensive coordinator. Last time I checked, we're not in the market for one. Right. Pat uh, Fitzgerald would tell yeah, I don't know anything about coordinating an offense. I don't think he's ever done it. He's an expert on defense. I was talking to one of my former players tonight at the rally, and, and I, he was talking about that very subject. And, and uh, I commented to Anthony Dean. I, I, he wouldn't mind me telling him telling people that he was there tonight because he's a proud former player and we were just chuckling that a lot of people assume that the solution to our problems on offense might be Pat Fitzgerald or Bobby Stoops no I mean both those coaches would tell you now they are experts on defensive play but they would tell you I'm not at all qualified to be an offensive coach because I don't I've never done it it's not it's not part of my skill set And the agreement that I had with Anthony is uh, the general public doesn't understand how specialized coaching is, you know, because what you're an expert at your position and you know not very much at all about certain other positions. It'd be a little bit like you asking an orthopedic surgeon to uh, perform a heart surgery on you. That'd be a foolish thing to do because that's not his expertise.
0: Right. And that's what we got going on right now.
4: That complicates things a lot, that's for sure. Yeah. And I've, I've made the statement, you know, I would be a poor offensive line coach because I never played offensive lineman or I've never coached offensive line. I'm not qualified to be an outstanding offensive line coach because there's a lot more to it than what I realized. I'm and, sure. And
0: Mike brings up uh, Coach Stoops now. Maybe he's talking about uh, defense, Mark. Uh, oh
4: okay
0: well i don't know if he's talking about mark or bob uh i'm sorry i said mike i don't know if he's talking about the head coaching spot or the oc position but of course neither of those guys none of the stoops brothers are offensive coaches don so no. uh, that i don't that name shouldn't be even out there um let's see a couple questions brad wants to know is, i'm
4: just gonna say the one thing i'm sure of is mark stoops is not the play caller for kentucky
2: right
0: and bob stoops wasn't play caller for Oklahoma.
3: No. Uh,
0: Brad wants to know, uh, he says, Kirk wants to blow up the replay system and start over because it's not working. So he can tell when a system sucks, unless it's its own offense. Appreciate your comment, Brad. Um, Yeah. He's frustrated with the replay system, but he should be more frustrated with his offense. That's I agree with you on that. Yeah.
4: I was wondering on that, on that play. Of course, it did look like a very suspect call. Sure. Uh, you know, here's what here's what I think is kind of the unwritten rule. See if this makes sense to you. Uh, a baseball analogy: um, if it's a if it's a bang bang play at first base, you've always heard that expression. Tiger's goes to the runner, right? right? I think there's some truth to that. Unless they know for sure on that replay that the first baseman had the ball before that foot hit the bag, then they're going to rule him safe at first base. Well, And, let, and,
0: let me and looking at a lot of football games,
4: if in doubt, if in doubt, it's not a fumble. I mean, that's how a lot of officials see that. Uh, that's, and I know what they're going to say. They're going to say, well, uh, we didn't blow the whistle because we didn't know for sure. And so our solution is let it play out. And then we'll go back and look at the replay. That's all well and good, except the same thing should apply to that replay supervisor. If you're not sure that the ball came out before the arm started forward, then it's an incomplete pass. You need to be absolutely certain that the ball came out before the ball started forward, before the arm started forward.
0: But Don, here's the whole problem, and this is the same problem that we've had a number of other plays that happened to Iowa State this year on a Jalen Knoll punt return it happened to jack campbell here a year or two ago against illinois and it happened today officials need to understand that when there are 50 50 balls let it play out do not blow the whistle right let it play out and make sure that everybody knows it's a live ball you can always go back later and call it incomplete but when you blow the whistle players stop playing and none of this right. would have happened had they just called it a fumble on the field. And it does not sound like it was conclusive. It's it's just one of those things that I just cannot imagine based on the land. I haven't looked at the replay specifically yet, but it doesn't sound like it was anything close to conclusive. How can you possibly overturn it after blowing the whistle and making everybody on the field stop, or at least everybody in the Iowa on the Iowa defense?
4: I guess I didn't realize that the whistle had blown.
0: The whistle absolutely blew. The whistle absolutely blew, Don.
4: So so you're saying when the whistle, I got you. So you're saying when that ball hit the ground, the whistle blew. Uh, and a Michigan guy, to his credit, he jumped on the ball anyway. What the heck? Right. I'm not sure, so I'll jump on the ball maybe. Uh, and sure, good point. So your point is, Corey, replay would show that our guys heard a whistle and people assumed it was incomplete. And then they reviewed the call and decided it was a fumble.
0: Well, that's what just it, appear, saying
4: that's, how it unfolded.
0: that's what it appeared like to me.
4: And that makes sense that Kirk would logically be very upset if that's how it all unfolded. It sounds like that's precisely what happened.
0: Yeah. Um
4: Yeah.
0: Okay, a couple uh, couple things here. I'm just making sure we're Um, we're caught up on some of these things. And, and again, if you want to comment, if you question for Coach Patterson, please start in the chat. Let's go to our next caller. We've got – let's see, we've got Leo next. And then we've got Ryan, Mike, and Erica. Leo, welcome to the show. Congratulations on the Big Ten Championship for your Wolverines.
8: Oh, thank you. Boy, I tell you what, that was not comfortable to the very end. Good grief, your defense is amazing. Man, ours is pretty good too now. Holy mackerel.
0: Remember when I told you, Leo, I said uh, when you put Iowa fourth in the Big Ten in defense, I said, I don't know about that because we have not seen Iowa with a capable offense, so who knows how good this defense could be if you had a unit on the opposite side of the field that could actually complement the defense. We, we just don't know what it's like, and Iowa's defense is still really, really incredible, like you said.
8: Yeah, and, you know hey, – Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Sorry Coach. Go ahead.
4: I was just simply going to say, Leo, I don't know if you heard me when I first got on the phone tonight with Corey, but I made this comment. I don't know that I've ever been more proud of a defense than what I was tonight yeah. for the way I would played. I don't know that they can play much better. That was simply outstanding on their part. And the only thing in which we didn't get done was generate turnovers. And that was unfortunate because... Uh we're minus three on turnovers. Of course we're gonna it's gonna be next to impossible to win the game, not to mention the kick the punt return. Those those four plays were huge.
8: And I'm pretty sure you yeah. guys gifted us not, 20 of the twenty six. I'm not mistaken.
4: Mistaken. Yeah. touchdown drives were five yards and six yards.
0: Yeah. Is yeah, right? uh I think you're right. Yeah. Short I know they're both short fields. <laughs> Very short fields. I believe.
4: The proper term was a five-yard drive, and, and the other one was a six-yard drive. Go back and look it up, pretty sure.
8: That's what I said. I think you guys gifted us most of our points today. Um, but I would say this
4: too, Leo. I would, I would be very disappointed in your players and coaches if they don't give great credit to Iowa's defense because Iowa's defense deserves great credit for what happened tonight.
8: Oh, 100%. Well, I agree. And, you know, I – That's good coaching, because let me tell you something about the guys that I saw anyway. The tackling was amazing. I mean, they just, they're like bulldogs. They don't miss. It was driving me nuts a little bit.
4: Tackling number two and number seven is not an easy task. And yet tonight, I'm sure both those guys got frustrated because they couldn't shake Iowa's tacklers. Not very well. They earned every yard they got.
8: Yeah, the yak was pretty much non existent today. And, coach, uh, how is the defense coordinator not the head coach there or somewhere else? Good grief.
4: Well, I think Phil would tell you. Um, and truthfully, there, there is some truth to the fact you can be a great coordinator and maybe not turn into a great head coach. Uh, I personally think that Phil would be a great head coach because. He certainly inspires his players with how they play. And let's face it, part of the head coach's job is the motivational aspect of the game. So I got to believe Phil would do just fine as a head coach. He may not want to do it because uh, Kirk and, and Jim Harbaugh would be the first to tell you there are a lot of headaches that go with being a head coach. And, you know, the beauty of being a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator is you don't have to deal with some of those headaches that the head coach has to deal with. Uh, so that might be a reason that Phil has less interest than what you might expect to be a coordinator. First off I think he I think he takes great satisfaction out of doing his job really, really well and getting the results that he gets with our defense. Uh and let me say too, I wanna I wanna make a point of saying hats off to Michigan's defense too, because they hardly let us breathe. You know, they did a nice job of defending us. I realize we're not the world's greatest offense, but the bottom line is we had the strain to make first downs, and it was not easy to make first downs tonight. Uh, I've got to give Michigan a lot of credit for that because their defense is outstanding and did a great job tonight as well. Uh, Two really well, outstanding defenses real on quick, the same uh, field.
0: Real quick, this is a quote. Uh, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register tweeting this out here just a moment ago. Um, or at least I'm just seeing it a moment ago. This is a quote from Sebastian Castro. Now, you tell me if we should read into this or if context might be a little important on one uh, on this from, from Sebastian. He says, I'm proud of our guys on the defensive side. We played a heck of a game. Yeah, we were put in bad situations. As a team, we've got to do better.
4: Okay. And, and your question, Corey, off that?
0: Well, my question is, he says on the defensive side, we played a heck of a game. We were put in bad situations as a team. We've got to do better. Is that? Uh, I mean, is that is that uh, a side swiping comment at the offense?
4: Well, I, I, uh, he's just being honest with what he says. Uh, I do know this: the way those guys are conditioned is the right way. And, and here is a good analogy: they think of themselves. As a fire department, you know, and if if we turn the ball over, well, you know, we call for the for the fire department, and those guys go on the field with the idea they got to put out the fire, and and you know you don't get to pick when and where your fire is. So, you know, if if the fire alarm sounds, then they respond, and those guys think of themselves as first responders. That's their job, uh, and they did a nice job several times. Uh, of uh, not just tonight but I'm talking about this season any number of times they went on the field in the, wrong, in the wrong part of the field and they still forced all you can really hope to do is force them into a field goal attempt and with a little bit of luck of course you get a piece of the field goal or, or, or maybe you block it outright, or maybe you simply uh, because of how quickly you stop them maybe you force them into a little longer Maybe you have a sack on third down that backs up the the place kicker. And instead of being good from 35 yards, he's slightly wide from 40 yards, you know, because the angles have changed. With that five yard sack, the angles are different. Uh, So the bottom line, you know, they go on the field on the wrong end of the field. Their mentality is, we're going to, first off, we're not going to allow a touchdown. And then beyond that, we're going to do everything we can to block that kick, too. Watch that field goal attempt. It's unrealistic. Of course, you can prevent three points from happening. But in their mind, in their mind's eye, you can certainly prevent seven. You don't want seven to happen. Your job's not allow the to touchdown. And uh, we fell tonight twice. But one of them was first and go at the five, and the other one was first and go at the six. And let's face it, that's a tough spot to be. Uh, I love, as an offensive coordinator, I love first and go at the five. I was not crazy about first and goal at the nine because that's hard, you know, because you don't have to make 10 yards, but those Tigers are not far away because there's not much field left to defend. And it's not easy to score first and goal at the nine. Uh, Even starting on the five or six is a a much easier assignment than on the nine.
0: A couple things here, but unless you've got something else, um, Leo, that you wanted to get to here?
8: I, boy, oh, boy. You know, it's fortunate for us. Cooper wasn't there because he affects all three phases of the game. You guys had some decent returns with people who are not Cooper DeGene. And a couple times, Corey, and maybe you can just – and I'll end it with this. I, I scratched
0: scratching my head
8: a few times because I saw a couple fair catches. There was not a Michigan player 20 yards within the – why was he fair catching?
0: be a better question for, for coaches because they're the ones – Making those calls, especially on kick returns to Caden Weijin. Um and maybe part of yeah, that is... Yeah, are you
4: referring, referring to or uh, One was a kick.
8: One was a kick, coach. Talking about the kickoffs,
0: I think. Well, part here's the thing: um, I wouldn't be surprised if the coaching staff maybe doesn't have quite as much confidence in Caden Weigand's ball security, and that's going to maybe. Uh, Caused him to be a little bit more cautious with what they tell him to do. He did have a muffed punt. I believe it was a week or two ago, Don, you remember what I'm talking about? Right. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that factors into decision-making, but I agree uh, a game like this, you need to be taking some shots. And uh, part of that, uh, part of that may involve taking some kicks out and taking it out from difficult places, uh, fair catching at the six yard line on punts. I just I hate that, Don. What's the new standard for when, where and when you fair catch a punt? If it lands at the six, boy, w- w- the Iowa had yeah, one you at, see at a, the six.
4: You see a lot of punts fair caught on the five and six yard line nowadays.
9: Well, you, you know, you're really
4: assuming that that kicker is able to affect the punt the way he hopes to. And that would simply be with the backward rotation of the ball. That would simply be that the ball hits on the two or three and maybe bounce pretty much straight up in the air. And then, of course, maybe you don't want to risk it hitting the ground and bounding into the end zone. You simply catch it on the hop and down it right there on the on the three. You're happy to kill it on the three. Uh, uh, but your point is well taken, Corey. Just for the sake of argument, what if you act as if you were going to fill the ball and you ran away from where the ball's coming down. Obviously, if you don't signal no fair catch, you know, you bait the cover unit into thinking maybe the ball is going to be fielded by this punt returner. You know, so you have to be a good actor and you have to run forward with your eyes up in the sky. And clearly, you got to run away from the ball, but you got to do it with the purpose as if you're, you've already decided I'm going to fill it and I'm going to advance the ball. Well, the cover team has no choice but to honor that that action on your part and that that of course gives the ball a better chance to bounce into the end zone for the touchback. Uh, I'm frustrated with some of the fair catch signals that are made. Uh, And all I can tell you is the one thing I'm sure of is that coaches do a good job of assessing how effective these punters are at killing the ball inside the five or inside the eight. And uh, for that reason, uh, it may, it may seem a little bit illogical to us because we haven't done all the study that they've done, but it would suggest if we're fair catching on the six, then that suggests that the punter is really, really adept at preventing the ball from bounding in the end zone. And honestly, even the best ones, I think there's a little bit of luck involved. Sometimes, even though the ball is rotating backwards, it still goes in the end zone. It just depends on how it hits the ground but it's not guaranteed to back up. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. That gives you a better chance to back the ball up. That's true. But there's no guarantee that it'll happen. Anything else? So that- I'm like you. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated with so many protect signals. Um, because I think if they, if they ran away from the ball as if they're filling it, um, Those cover guys don't know where the ball is. They're not looking up in the sky for the ball. What are they reading? They're reading the punt returner. That's what they better be reading. Because if he's moving in another direction to fill the punt, they better be sure the ball's not coming down where he's headed.
0: Leo, uh, I appreciate your phone call, sir.
8: Thank you, guys. Thanks, Coach. Y'all have a great night.
0: Best wishes representing
4: the Big Ten. Hey, Leo, great to talk uh, to you. Good luck to the Wolves going forward. We want you guys to represent the Big Ten well. Thanks, sir.
0: All right. Um, yeah, Joel makes a good point. When you strive to win by tight margins, you'll always get burned by a bad call here or there. That's absolutely the case. Uh, it's a good
4: point. If you if if your if your goal is to is to beat someone by two or three touchdowns, obviously uh, a bad call can only affect at most. It can affect six or seven points, right? It can only affect a touchdown at the worst.
0: I'm trying to figure then, out what this comment means. Lane 82356. Totally proud of Brian and of Iowa. 12 points were field goals unearned, which leaves two touchdowns that were given to them by refs. All in all, if truth be told, they did well and better than most thought they would. You can't win games if you are playing the refs as well as a team. I will take 26 versus what could have been a bigger blowout listening to the comments being MS, but bad calls is a problem caused by the refs, which cause emotions that should not be allowed.
4: Okay. Well, all I would say is uh, that's the attitude that you're a, vic- a victim. Uh, and, and that's, go ahead. That's not a good attitude to have. Because your the, the so- attitude needs to be, we're going to be good enough. To overcome a bad call, real,
0: real and quick. as
4: you pointed out, Corey, if it's a tight game, then obviously one bad call can affect the outcome of the game. So your goal should be to never put your team in that spot. Real quick, you know, If you're always in, in position to win by ten, then obviously a bad call cannot be worth more than seven points.
0: It's three a.m. Eastern almost, and I appreciate Lane eight two three five six for for writing in but I cannot imagine a scenario in which we're celebrating the margin of victory in the Big Ten Championship game only being 26 to zero. Yeah. I,
2: I, I'm sorry.
0: But that's what the comments said, Don. It's the comments said we should be happy that it's only 26 to zero. I've never heard anything like that in my life. I'm sorry. I, I,
4: I'm not. I'm not happy about that. What's What's sad is, if you look at the at, at Michigan's offensive stats, you would say Michigan was really stymied today. Yes, Michigan really really struggled to move the ball. They're not going to struggle against very many teams, but tonight they struggled against Iowa. That's for sure.
0: But I thought it was great that uh, that our our chatter not only said to to be proud of his only twenty six zero, but started out by saying Brian should be proud. <laughs> Not anybody else. Brian should be proud. That's who should be proud. Let's go to our next caller. Uh, we've got Ryan on hold. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey Corey. Hey so man.
10: Coach Patterson, thanks for joining us. Um I did some you know post-it note math. Since 2021, since 2021, the three elite teams, let's say, in the Big Ten, which would be the Ohio State University, Penn State, and SCUM. Uh, SCUM. Out of that, we played a total of five games. We scored 10 against Ohio State last year, 23 against Penn State, followed by zero this year, three against Michigan in the national championship, 14 last year and zero this year. That's a total of five games, 50 points for an average of 10 points per game. Not going to work.
4: It's just not going to work. Yeah. Well, and if you want to be precise, too, uh, if you go back and look, the 14 we had against Michigan last year, uh, one of those was on the last play of the game. One of Garbage those. time.
10: I know, but I count it. Right. If Gary Barda, our illustrious former AD, is going to count special teams and defense and all that stuff, you know, I guess I will, too. And it's still 10 points a game is where we're standing. Um, I don't know. You know, okay, let me say something positive. Your first two callers, Corey, that were brand new to this show were excellent. And your last caller was excellent. Alex was excellent. So you got you got a lot of positives there. What I want to think about, what's the grossest thing I can say possibly on this show? I can bring up politics, American politics with, you know, the election coming up. That'd be one option. Or I can pivot and say, how about the Iowa offense, which is offensive? Or I can talk about the Big Ten referees and this instant replay garbage where we are just constantly reofficiating our incompetence. What did we talk about six, seven hours ago, Corey, after the Bowling Green game? We were calling this stuff all day long, weren't we?
0: <laughs> I just think it's funny that you had summoned the Iowa women's basketball Bowling Green postgame show at 3 o'clock in the morning for a football Big Ten championship game uh yeah we it wasn't Tim O'day though that was behind the officiating today I believe he was just the alternate so he was not behind any of the calls today
10: but we called it did well, we not like I I like in- the message was expect to get screwed a little bit and let's hope that we hold in there I mean would you agree with that?
0: Uh, I mean, it just seems like there's an issue with officiating. I, I didn't know whether I – I don't know who I – mean, from a playoff positioning standpoint, yes, Michigan was was the Big Ten's best bet at this point to get in. And and, and they're clearly in right now. Uh, had Iowa won, it would have caused some controversy. Frankly, at Iowa won, could you have made the argument that one of those – I see people in the chat keep telling me, well, Texas beat – Bama, so Texas is going to get in. You're going to leave the SEC out completely? If that, if, if I were to have beaten the Michigan this evening, could you have made the argument that one of those SEC teams gets in and, and the Big Ten gets left out? I think you could have made that argument. Uh, th- we need to expand the playoff, and 12 is probably not the magic number. But anyways, I don't want to get it's off. It's
10: so irrelevant, though, when I'm just frustrated with the status quo of our program, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm frustrated with, Hey, we beat Illinois by two and we beat Northwestern on a last second field goal. These are crap teams. We lost to Minnesota. Sure. Uh Sure. Technically we shouldn't have, but we, we should have been up two scores on those clowns and and you know finally you know the crows came to roost I guess and and I hate saying that I'm just so sick of, of accepting mediocrity two years ago we lost by 39 points in this game and what did Kirk do he Double down on Brian as quarterback coach. And I think it's safe to say quarterback play has been as bad as has ever been in 40 years. And Coach Patterson has been here for a long, long time. And I doubt he's going to completely flame me for that statement.
4: No, I I won't.
0: <laughs> oh, good to know. Um, real quick, can I can I just say something uh, for a second here, uh, Ryan? Yes, I, sir. Was, I was debating on who to name our RTI Threads Player of the Game. Don, if I had thrown this to you, who would you have named?
4: Well, the first guy that came to mind for me was probably Castro.
0: Okay, it was not Castro. No, he, I, was, he was in my top no, three. Just, absolutely. You know,
4: I'm just sitting in the stadium watching the game, so I don't have any advantage of it. The- can can, can yeah. I
0: answer, Corey,
10: before you? I think you're going to say Tory Taylor, but I'm going to agree with Castro. Uh,
0: well, you'd be right. I did say Tory Taylor. So um, 50.4 average on seven punts. And you know,
4: the, the only reason I, I wouldn't go with Tory. Uh, compared to the Michigan Pounder was absolutely as good as Tory in sure. my mind. Uh, he has an really incredible hang time. If well,
0: but his average was nowhere close to uh, There's the well, I, mean, I still think it's Sebastian Castro
10: with uh, Jay Higgins as an honorable mention.
0: Well, I, I think Jay Higgins is in the conversation, given the fact that he totaled... Uh, let's see, what did he total? Uh, for the day, Jay Higgins had uh fourteen tackles, uh, five of which were solo tackles. Castro had nine. And uh how about a defense
4: had some, some passive defended too, didn't he? Yeah. Castro
10: Castro's your guy.
4: Well uh, you know, you're, you
10: you know, your uh depth chart second stringer. Once again, comes through.
0: Real quick, real quick. Let me just say, uh, technically, uh, Tory Taylor is our RTI Threads player of the game. Seven punts, 353 yards, 50.4 yard per punt average. He also had the long of 67, which is just an incredible punt. Got a good bounce. Mm-hmm. But let me just say this. Uh, well,
4: let's... if I'm wrong, is that, when, that 67 yarder went in the end zone. It was a touchback. So the net is only 47. That's my, that's, you follow me?
0: No, I don't, I don't, no, I don't that, think it did go in the end zone.
4: I believe it did. Go back and look. I know there were one of the long punts went in the end zone. I don't know what he's long. Maybe he had a, one or two others that were up towards
0: 60.
10: ESPN did say Torrey's long was 67. That's true.
0: I know, but, okay, but that, uh, yeah don i know what you're saying uh here's let me, yeah. let me pull up the official play-by-play here because uh how do you sort through punts uh let's see 39 yard punt uh tory yeah, you just have to look at them
4: one at a time you know
0: 52 yard punt he had a 57 yard punt for a touchback there's the 57 yarder he had a 53 yard punt that went out of bounds he had a let's see here um he had a 67-yard punt, Don, that was down at the Michigan 19. He punted from the Iowa 14.
4: Okay, so that's a legitimate one there. Correct. That's all on the. Was it all on the fly? Did he actually third catch it or?
0: No, no. I guess it was, you it can't bounced. tell off the play it by bounced. play.
4: It was on the fly.
0: Well, it bounced. What do you mean it was on the fly? It, it, it bounced. It, it rolled. It, the, he didn't third
4: catch it. No, it rolled. Yeah. Correct. Yep. I mean, here's my point. Uh, the question is, should it have been fair caught? Because if, if it wasn't fair call and it should have been fair caught, then shame on Michigan for letting sure. that happen. Sure that ball shouldn't fair. be on the ground.
0: Now I will say this. I want That's to give a shout fair. out. I want to give a shout out to one offensive player today. I'm not saying he's the only guy that played well. But Addison I bet you pick
4: the same guy I will. You know who yeah. I picked? Uh, no, you were going somewhere else. We're telling where you're going,
0: for
10: Addison Ostringer is probably the offensive receiving (laughs) player of the game, but Caleb Brown did show that he's got some potential. I was extremely disappointed with Vines.
0: Well, first of all. And
10: Reganey, really.
0: So real quick, Addison Ostringer would be my honorable mention. Don, here's why. Nine targets, seven catches, fifty yards, forty-four yak yards. So
4: that's really that's really not true. Uh, Here's my point: He didn't. I don't think there's any. Well, first off, if he had fifty yards receiving, forty-four yak yards, then what you're really saying, the way they the way they post that yak, that's not a a correct number. So really, if, if you go back and look at the catches. Then you simply, yeah, here's, here's what true yak yardage is. Let's imagine the ball is caught, in Addison's case. The ball is caught so that he should be tackled for a gain of seven. Just, I'm just playing a hypothetical here. It should be caught for a gain of seven. If, if the tackler does his job, Addison, the contact was made. Uh, if, if he would have stoned him right there, he would have gained seven yards. If Addison somehow turns that into a 20-yard gain, then that's 13 yak yards. You follow me? But that 44-yard that, that number I promised you is not, is not truly yak yardage. It may be listed that way, but that's not really the definition of yak. Yak should be yardage that is generated on those plays strictly because that guy refuses to be tackled. That's what true yak yardage is. Mm-hmm. That well, makes he, sense. He didn't have, have 44 yak yard yards out of a 50-yard day I promise you.
10: Most of them would have that kind of yeah, play. coach is completely right about that. I mean, he went down after he was I'm tackled, reading. Reading but with, he made a lot of catches. Hold on,
0: hold on. I'm reading what the official NCAA box score says. That's all I'm saying.
4: But if you go back and look at the video, I'll promise you, there weren't 44 yards after contact. I, I, and when I say after contact, I mean, this is this is a guy in position that should be able to make the play. And preventing more gain on that play
10: i think we blame espn for poor stat tracking
4: yeah go back and chart it Corey. i'm not trying to pick on addison don't get me wrong i think he, i think he played well but it's it's disingenuous to say 44 of his 50 receiving yards were because of his ability to break tackles because i'm sure there's more than six yards it would have been made if he'd caught the ball and fallen down, he'd have made more than six.
10: Did we really get any oh. yak yards today in the definition that you and I agree on? I don't think so. Well
0: uh, Addison, not very many. Not very Addison many stringa Addison Ostringa had the nineteen yard catch and run. Okay. That not
10: many one, though.
0: No, but but i just the reason I brought up Addison Ostringa. Nine, nine targets, seven catches, 50 yards. He's still going to be a really good tight end for Iowa.
10: Oh, definitely.
0: With his hands behind his back because he doesn't have much help at that position.
10: If so- we get Lachey back, if we get Luke Lachey back with Addison, I'm going to feel really good about the tight end position next year. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Ryan, appreciate yeah. your call, sir. I got, I got,
4: no, and- I got no argument with Addison has a really good tight end prospect going forward. He's played very well this year for a young guy. Uh, He he has a lot to be proud of. Can I I
10: ask you one thing before you let me go?
0: Sure. Go ahead and throw it out.
10: Well, okay. Might be a statement or a question, but (laughs) I know we got the bowl game. I don't want to see any more Deacon Hill ever again. Uh, we got Marco, and I'm just worried that you got a year of Cade and then a year of practice, and we're going to get Deacon a year from next. And I hope that's not the case. Um, I just, I, I, he's six and two, but in spite of. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate the call. And, uh, I, I got to address the, uh, Let's see. Erica says this is uh, a Jim Fuller. Uh, okay, uh, let's see what's happening here in the chat because it looks like there's some issues. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put Mr. Jim in a timeout. I'm not going to deal with trolls tonight. Uh, anyways, so I like this comment. Uh, Kurt says, Corey, can you please fix your grandma? Grandma, grammar, sorry. Can you please fix your grammar? You're a freaking journalist, or so you claim. Have went, not real. You don't use less correctly versus fewer. Clown show, clean it up. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, Kurt, y'all can just scurry on down to a different show here on the YouTube because I'm going to talk the way I want to talk, and you ain't going to tell me differently. Is that good with you, Don?
4: I'm good with that.
0: All right. Sounds good. Have a nice day, Kurt. Have a nice night and morning. Let's go to our next caller. We've got Erica on hold. Erica, welcome to the show.
9: Oh, man. <laughs> I'm just cracking up at some of this stuff in the chat. Let me tell you. Well,
0: I uh, I don't know whether to crack up or check my head, so uh, it is what it is.
9: There was a really fun person who was complaining that people on the show are not experts. Um, I think they kind of forgot this is a Colin show, if they only want to hear experts. Like, sorry, maybe they should try another show. I don't know what to tell them. But anyway, um, I wanted to ask a question about how they vet um, the officiating crew in these games. Like, how do they you know, figure yeah. out who's gonna be the refs in the game, et cetera. I have no idea how that process works. And after what happened tonight, I'm really curious to know.
4: Good well, it wouldn't know. be, uh, Corey, it wouldn't be a surprise to you or Erica to to hear that, um, that plum assignments, I'm talking about the games that all officials would love to work, uh, really are designed as a reward. Uh, that should go to those that have done the best job over the course of the season. Now, I'll give you an example of why that's not, not entirely true. Uh, you're aware of this, Corey, that for Michigan Ohio State, Ron Snodgrass was the referee. Now, I knew Ron Snodgrass as an official in our old Gateway Football Conference, and he was the best official, you know, 15 years ago. He was the best official. In the gateway None of the other official referees are listening But that's just the truth I thought he was the best even back then No surprise He's recognized as being really good As a result 15 years later He's the best official in the Big Ten Uh, I say that Now I don't know how the ratings all come in But I I can say with confidence I'm sure He gets outstanding ratings Uh, For that reason alone it didn't surprise me for a minute that he was doing Michigan Ohio State because in my mind that is the best crew in the Big Ten. The only negative about him being assigned Michigan Ohio State, I was pretty sure then that we were not going to see him one week later in Indianapolis in the night's game. And uh, and I don't I don't have any history with the official that worked the game tonight. I don't have any. Awareness of how well he does his job. I simply pay more attention to a game that Ron and his crew are doing simply because he's a friend. He's a personal friend. Not that we were ever buddies when he was a referee and I was a coach, but we certainly had an appreciation for how we each did our jobs. And uh, he's absolutely one of the best officials I've ever known. And uh, unfortunately, since he was assigned a Pivotal game a week ago, in uh, Ann Arbor, uh, I was pretty confident he wasn't gonna get a plum assignment two weeks in a row. You know, they have to spread the wealth a little bit. And I'm sure the the crew that did the game tonight uh, had gotten, also gotten very, very good ratings in those games in which they'd worked. So I think it's a merit thing. You know, I don't think they, they certainly don't randomly assign the officials, Uh you know, because It's no surprise to you, I'm sure. It's a big deal to get to work the most important games. Yeah.
9: Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, because some of those calls like to be nice about it were questionable at the very least as to have been discussed. I don't think I've heard anyone talk about um, when the Michigan defenders came and like slammed Deacon down. They had already called the the play dead. That was kind of, that reminded me of when they called Quinn Schulte like a few weeks ago against, was it Illinois or Nebraska for finishing the play? Like all of this was worse because what they actually did was slam him. And that could cause like concussions and stuff like
0: well, that. Absolutely. What was done today with the Deacon Hill should have been called roughing. No question about it. Or unnecessary roughness. He was kind of picked up off the ground. That's a textbook wrestling type of uh roughing penalty.
9: Right. I was thinking of the same thing.
0: Yeah. It was called for here.
4: Yeah, we, we refer to that as, you know, planning a quarterback. You know, you're actually lifting him up and trying to drive him in the ground. Now, I don't, is that what it looked like t- yes. tonight, Corey? Correct. Yeah, got
2: Absolutely.
9: You. Yeah, I was exactly thinking the same thing. That was like a wrestling move. I mean, you can't argue that those two things are more different. And they got Quinn Schulte for what he did, which was finishing a play versus just downright wrestling moves. Like... It doesn't make a lot of sense. And, you know, anyway, nothing I can do about it, right? It is what it I is.
0: So. I don't think so.
9: Yeah, I doubt it. I'm not that important. Um, I did want to ask as well, um, Coach, if before, not now, but before we hang up, like, or before, you know, the the uh, show is over, can you tell us another Hayden story like we did the one time? I think that would be an awesome tradition to finish each one with a Hayden
4: it's at 3.08 in the morning. I don't know if that's a good idea.
9: Uh, uh, I'm just you not didn't sure. wear a cowboy hat, and you won't tell us a Hayden story? Really?
0: You think, uh, I, I think people aren't going to have a problem falling asleep. A, this late at night, Erica, and B, to escape reality of what happened this evening.
9: Eh, I'm accepting of what happened. I mean, given the circumstances...
4: We'll have a preview show for the ball game, and, and how about this, Erica? Corey will remind me that we need to share a Hayden story at that point in time.
9: Oh, after the bowl game? Okay. That works for me.
4: Even, in, even the preview of the bowl game.
9: Oh, okay. Okay. All righty. We well.
4: before and one after. How's that?
9: Oh, okay. That's fantastic. That sounds great. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I've got. Um, just wanted to ask a question about how they choose the refs because I was just curious about that. Thanks for sharing.
4: Appreciate you, you It should be a merit system, and the supervisor officials, I'm sure, is the one that makes the. Make well, sure.
9: hopefully, after tonight, you know, the merit of these go down because of these refs. Because some of these calls were just nuts, and I'm not usually one who will, you know, criticize the refs, but this was just ridiculous. I mean, the better team won, obviously. I'll admit that, but. Man, you know, those refs did not help the matter. And um, it is what it is, though. And at least our defense played the game we knew they were capable of playing. And Castro, oh, my God, he is unreal. He flies around that field like it's unreal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he he's, he's, he's impressive, uh, Erica. I
9: hope he comes back.
0: Yeah, I think there's a chance. We'll see.
9: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again and have a good evening.
0: Thank you, Erica. Uh, Beast Bod in the chat says, uh, can we get someone who played quarterback at a high level on staff? It might help. Uh, boy, that's uh, not a bad idea. They've got, uh, well, John Budmeyer played a little bit at Wisconsin, but not really. And um, Kelton Copeland did not play at a quote unquote high level. So, um, yeah, fair point. Let's get to our next caller here. Don, we're we're just about finished here. I know it's getting late. It's getting late for you and I both. Um, Connor's on hold. Connor, welcome to the show.
7: Uh uh hey how how are you doing Good man how are you uh, I'm surprised I'm actually on You're on man uh, Yeah I mean I'm I'm I've I've got a lot a lot of raw feelings about this game you know I can point to a lot of officiating calls I think first of all on the 84 yard punt punt return I think Tory Taylor got pushed in the back I think that was pretty clear and that you know i wouldn't make a big deal out of that if they didn't call it on us the next two returns that we could have had positive yardage you know and uh
4: because when the guy was breaking down the field my eyes went back to the original part of the field where the ball came from and I was fully expecting to see a flag because I thought I saw the same thing. I
7: mean, it was very clear. It was in the middle of the play. It was in the middle of the play. It was very clear. It was very clear to me. I know
4: exactly what you're talking about.
7: Yeah, I mean, it was right in the middle of the field. It was right between the hash marks. And I I thought it was obvious, you know, and it was obviously a game-changing play, you know. And then, you know, that combined with...
4: If, if, a, if a cover person... Falls on his chest.
7: I mean, I go back yeah, to the Northwestern game at Nelson's Wrigley Field.
4: It's falling on his on his front side. It's probably because he was pushed.
7: No, it it, it was he clear. If, if, if you, I watched the replay three times, side. I watched the replay three times. He was clearly pushed in the back. You know, and I I, I remember right. the Northwestern game when Cooper had a great return that went all the way down to I want to say the twelve at Wrigley Field, you know, and uh, there was a similar call, you know, that was barely a touch, but they called it that time. And then this time they didn't call it for us. So, and I mean, I really, if you go back and watch the video, I think it was clear, you know, and we can complain about the refs all day long and I don't want to make excuses because our offense didn't do anything all day long, but you know, you combine that with that, and then the, uh, uh, you know, uh, the rough in the passer that wasn't called, and then the the, you know, the the forward pass that was called a fumble. There were a couple of rough right. calls, you know, but at the yeah. at the same time, yeah, Coach, I'll listen to you.
4: No, you're right about one thing. There were several calls that had had a huge impact on the game, calls or or non-calls, whatever the case might be. Uh, Did they affect the outcome of the game? They didn't necessarily identify the wrong team as the winner, but they certainly affected the score in the game. You know, it would not be hard to imagine that it would have instead of being twenty six nothing, it might have been thirteen
7: nothing. I think I, I added I, up to seventeen you. points, Coach. I mean, I think I yeah. added up to seventeen points. I mean, it gave him two touchdowns and took away at least a field goal of ours. So I mean, it's it's tough, you know. And yeah. and I'm I'm a I'm a bitter person when it comes to the the Brian Ferentz Kirk Ferentz situation. I, I'll admit, like. I'm a little bitter this is one uh situation where I disagree with my own dad on the situation. Like, you know, my dad loves Kirk Ferentz. I love Kirk Ferentz. Like I, I, you know, I grew up going to games in the early two thousands watching, you know, some great football that was there. But I, I really, I just feel like he's been taking credit for Phil Parker's, uh, Phil Parker's excellence in these days, and I mean Phil Parker has been so good at his job. He's he's delivered such a such a great defense for us. And you know, you know, you you look at Kirk Ferentz. He's supposed to be this great offensive line coach. You know, where's our running game, Ben? Where's our offensive line, Ben? Like, you know, we're 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 getting strip sacked left, right, and middle all the time you know i don't see our run game going you know I, I i know you know i've you know i was i live in illinois i live in chicago i was back in iowa over thanksgiving and you know m- my family you know thinks you know what happens when we don't have kirk ference i i think what happens if we don't have phil parker you know like if we don't have phil parker we're we're a we're a garbage team right now. We're not a good football team if we don't have Phil Parker. We're not even a mediocre football team if we don't have Phil, Phil Parker. Well, so
0: yeah, I think it's unfair to totally, you know, give Phil all the credit while
7: taking all the credit away from Kirk. I mean, I think there's a balance there, right? There's a there's a balance like, there, but I, I think uh, I think Kirk's been taking a lot of credit from Phil's work. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I I understand where you're coming from. I mean, I just you you think if 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 another if another program took Phil Parker from us years ago, where would we be? We'd we'd be like at the lower part of the Big Ten West. You know, we'd, we'd, be, we'd replace Phil. You know, because Kirk had Norm Parker.
0: <laughs> produced great defenses here as well and so that's credit to kirk ferentz for having the right guys and being able to retain the right guys i know i know there's got to be some credit there as well
7: but you're right i, I, I agree, agree i agree it hurts Grace. it hurts me to say anything critical of kirk because he delivered uh great childhood memories to me you know yeah. i mean I, I i don't i don't want to talk smack i don't i don't but I do feel like he held the, he's held us back, you know, and, and clearly, I mean, the offensive coordinator is his son and the offense has been the worst in college football for years going now. I mean, any other program we would have moved on, we would have had to hire somebody who's more successful. If we had a, a mediocre offense if we had a a a a top 60 top 70 offense we would be a national title title contender i mean that's hard to argue at this point we've had a top 10 offense for like what was it three four years in a row i mean it's it's just it's hard at this point you know You, you kirk he's a he's a Offensive line specialist, you know, our offensive line has not been great. Our offense has been terrible. It's been terrible. I'm sorry. It's been terrible. There's, there's, it's, it's, it's hard to forgive, you know, at some point. I mean, they're making, he's making tons of money. Kirk's making tons of money. Brian's making as much money as Phil Parker is. Phil Parkers at the top of his game. Brian's like terrible. I'm sorry, you know. Well, I God. mean, imagine you go to work every day and you're putting out fires that like your coworker is creating for you. You know, you 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 work with somebody who's just terrible at their job and creating all sorts of problems and you have to put out fires and you have to, like, single-handedly keep your company up, you know, and your boss is getting all the credit for it, and your boss's son is the guy who's creating all the problems for you. I mean, it, it's tough. It's tough at the end of the day. And like I said, I'm I'm 35 years old. I grew up watching Kirk Ferentz football. Like, you know, I... I Connor, i got to cut you off, brother, because I'm running out
0: of time here, but... I do appreciate you calling in and I understand your frustration because I, I came from a similar background. You're a little older than I am, but we come from similar eras. So, um, but I do appreciate your call. All right. Thank you, Connor. Yeah. Like I said earlier, I'm not trying to cut people off. I just, we, we, it's 3am out here <laughs> in Indianapolis and, uh, Don is, uh, Don, you and I both need to get some sleep. Um, Cameron in the, with the super chat. He says, I think that comment from Castro is uncalled for. Defense gave up too many points. Couldn't keep Brian Ferentz within striking distance. Phil needs to step up. Uh, there's definitely some sarcasm there, some satire. Thank you for the super chat, Cameron. And uh, Don says, Coach, when I played, it was go until the whistle and stop when it gets blown. If you didn't, you got flagged. I said the same thing up with the press box, Coach. That's um, why you play should end when the whistle's blown. And if you're, there's any doubt, don't pull the whistle. Quite simple, right? Um, Lonnie right. says, uh, "Super chat, hire the OC, uh, the new OC, let Brian move on after the transition." Yeah, I can I can see that line of thinking as well. Uh, Andrew wants John Budmeyer, uh, hire Budmeyer and move on. He'd Grom Heaven Kirk said, uh, "Hire Budmeyer and move on." He'd Grom. I don't know what that means. I don't. I sorry, Andrew. I'm not. It's too early in the morning for me to try to dissect that. Uh, But I do appreciate the comment. Sam says, uh, could Kirk take a pay cut to offer Ryan Grubb a higher salary? Well, and if we wanted to talk theoreticals, sure, he could amend his contract. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Aaron says, you can't execute your bread and butter plays, but you expect the offense to pull off some special wrinkle? We struggle with screenplays. Don, can you please... Dispel the narrative and the notion that just because Iowa struggles with the simple plays, that means you cannot or shouldn't try anything innovative.
4: Yeah, I can dispel that notion because here's the truth. You've heard me say it before. The good thing about having a diverse offense is they don't. If they see a play in a game that they've never seen before there's a certain element of surprise that goes with that play, right? There's no recognition that that's what was going to happen. And uh, I've always been able to, to verify uh, what you're looking for. Let me say it this way. One reason that trick plays work, I had a coach one time tell me, yeah, trick plays are good, except they require such great execution. And I'm sitting there thinking, no, they don't. They don't require great execution. They require good execution. But the reason they don't require great execution is because you've got the element of surprise. And the plays that require great execution are the ones that you run all the time because the other team is going to work long and hard to try to control those plays that you routinely run. So that's the argument for having a more diverse offense because you you have the advantage of you have that element of surprise that gives you an advantage, and doesn't require such great execution.
0: Yeah, um, I'm going to be getting rid of a troll in the comments. So uh, again, I, I I don't know why people. If you're a Michigan fan, just go somewhere else. I, I don't I don't think anybody cares to hear from you on this channel, frankly, tonight. Congratulations on your win. Don't care to hear the the. Uh, patrolling. Um, Gavin says, DeYoung got three false starts this game. uh, As if that mattered, he had some in the previous games. What's his problem?
4: Well, part of the problem, it's an indoor stadium and Michigan had a lot of fans there. We were clearly outnumbered by a long shot. And so it was loud and uh, obviously As a result of that, you might fall short. You might think you you knew the ball was out when, in fact, it wasn't.
0: Lane 8-2. Okay, we already read this. Thank you, Lane. Appreciate the comment. Uh, Brandon, how much of the crowd was Iowa fans compared to Michigan? I'd say 80% Michigan fans. I'd say 80% Michigan fans. Zach, what's the point of a review if they don't make the right call? Well, yeah, that's, that's very much true uh denny ace uh, i believe we've got denny uh maybe waiting to call in this is the same denny maybe not but denny Ace says in your opinion what's the problem is it kirk bryan is it the offensive line quarterback even if we get a new oc is kirk going to override the new oc in play calling can't figure it out well i've said several times denny and i think coach patterson you'd agree with me that uh there are a number of problems to fix it's not just one issue right. and you know Um, it's uh, whoever the OC is and the head coach certainly is Kirk Ferentz. That's the, those guys are going to be in charge of fixing the problem. And we've been saying that for several years, but now with the new OC, you hope it, it gets fixed. Um, Lane VDM, where do I send money to keep Coop in Iowa city? Well, how about this, uh, Lane VDM? Um, give us a, uh, well, we give RTI threads a shout out. He's got uh, Cooper to Jean's got his apparel line over at RTI threads, visit cd3lacesup.com. And you can check out the apparel and merch lines for Aaron Graves, Carson Shire, Aiden Hall, Zach Lutmer, all at RTIThreads.com. You never know, folks, if uh, these kids get an idea that, hey, I've got an NIL future that I can rely on here and uh, savor one more year in college, one more year at Iowa. Maybe they'll stick around. Can't guarantee that. But certainly check it out. Cooper to Gene apparel at cd3lacesup.com. And uh, by the way, the Jim Thorpe Award and... He's up for another word. Some announcements coming Monday. So hopefully the injury does not affect that. But uh, best wishes to, to Cooper DeGene to on those national awards coming up. John brings up how Michigan uh, is 13-0 conference champion. Washington, 13-0 conference champion. Florida State, 13-0 conference champion. Texas, 12-1 conference champion. Beat Bama head-to-head. Bama should be first team out as a 12-1 conference champion who lost to Texas. I know it sounds simple, John, but collectively – Um, I don't know that you can just – you evaluate Georgia, Bama, and Texas all together based on, well, Alabama beat Georgia today and uh, Texas beat Alabama before. I mean, like there's more to it than that. And I also don't think the committee likes Florida State and they weren't that impressive against Louisville, doesn't sound like. At least not offensively, they're down their quarterback, so I don't know. You're probably right, though. It's probably going to be Texas, but I have a hard time seeing the SEC get – Uh, Getting left out. Cameron says, uh, am I crazy if I think Iowa is going to be back here again next year? Ohio State and Washington are the only hard games. Uh, I think you are crazy if you think that. Uh, Not in reality. I don't think you're crazy, but I I don't see that happening next year. You never know, but uh, I would seriously doubt it, especially without divisions. JW, is there something wrong with getting an athletic quarterback? Well, they have one. His name is Marco Linez. Very athletic. Just uh, trust me on that. Very athletic. That's why I hope we see him. Could Caleb Brown transfer without penalty? This is a question from Christopher. Uh, I don't believe so. I I believe he'd have to sit out a year because he transferred in from Ohio State unless he got a waiver for some reason. Um, I think you're right. Lisa in the chat. um, Thank you for being here, Lisa. Appreciate uh, your support and everybody's support. And uh, boy, it's been a long day. Don, let's end this thing. Um, One final shout out to... Um, our guy, Torrey Taylor, man, he has been so important to this team over the last four years. Uh, two, uh, seven punts today, 353 yards, an average of over 50 yards per punt. And credits Addison Estringa, Sebastian Castro, Dre Higgins, all those guys were really good. Torrey Taylor is our RTI Threads player of the game. We're going to miss him. Uh, final game with Torrey likely coming up uh, in our bowl game, Don. So, uh, again, uh, final score, folks Michigan 26, Iowa 0. Big Ten, Bagel as they'll say as i say don anything to add that we didn't get to i'm sure we'll have plenty of time to talk about this game over the next month
4: you know you you couldn't help but be proud of our guys overall just because it was a, it was a a gritty effort on their part uh, michigan's an outstanding football team you know it's entirely possible michigan will win the national national title uh, and i'd be willing to bet you Anyone else is going to be hard-pressed to hold him to 215 yards of offense. I don't know that you'll see anybody else do that to him as we did tonight.
0: Coach Patterson, always appreciate, um always appreciate you being here. And um, even given the circumstances, I'm glad uh, you were able to make it to the game. Safe travels back home. For everybody watching, if you're interested in sponsorship or any other inquiries, reach out to me from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. From the Eye of the Storm at Outlook.com. Don will uh, we'll keep we'll keep uh, the faith. And uh, I'm not going anywhere. We got basketball ahead. And I know you're you're gonna be very invested in women's basketball. I know you got season tickets. So safe travels back home, yep. Don. And we'll talk to you when you get when you uh, get back to Iowa City. That sounds good, Corey. Take care. Right, folks, for Coach Don Patterson and Corey Bratter from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Have a great night. Safe travels if you're heading back to the Hawkeye State.